Speaking of the podcast, we just hit record. I forgot to do that seven minutes ago. So let's recap everything because those who are listening to the podcast didn't get a chance to hear. We'll start out West tonight with our guests. We'll go to George Fox Women's Basketball. Michael Meek will join us, talk about the conference race, talk about their big games against Whitman coming up. Also uh, coming up, we'll go to Dickinson in the Centennial Conference in Women's Basketball. The Red Devils have emerged as another team to fear in the conference. And we'll talk to Catherine Bixby about their chances in the conference tournament. They've got Washington College to finish off the season, but then they've got Muhlenberg, who they played to triple overtime earlier this season. In men's basketball, we'll go out to Hope, talk to Greg Mitchell about the upcoming Calvary rivalry game. But more importantly, we'll talk about can they win the MIA automatic qualifier so they don't have to worry about sitting on the bubble, not the bubble, but the Pool C table at least, when it comes to things in 10 days. And, of course, um, oh, and then we'll head to the East region, and we'll talk to St. John Fisher men's basketball coach Ron Corner, Rob Corniker. He'll talk about the Empire 8 race, talk about the Empire 8 scheduling, and we'll also talk about whether he thinks they're safe to get in the tournament and why my email may have prompted him to look at things. That's all coming up here on the show. The podcast didn't get to hear the story, so I'll quickly mention it again. had a referee come up to me just the other day uh, while I was uh, helping a a student at a video production that I was in charge of uh, understand how to run the camera and asked me a couple questions. Turns out he made reference to the camera problems we've had here on Hoopsville in the last couple of weeks. He's a fan of Hoopsville. So that's to the podcast in case he's tuning in. Thank you for watching. Certainly appreciate it. Again, if you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. If you're listening to the podcast or on demand, don't forget the Hoopsville mailbag is a chance for us to answer your questions. You can do that by emailing us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. We will have some questions coming up a little bit later in the show. So let's talk about what has happened and what has not happened. First, we got the regional rankings out. If you missed our... Uh, show the other day, Wednesday afternoon, uh, talking about those rankings. We were on the air. You can always go back to watch that on demand or listen to that podcast. In women's basketball, it's actually been a bit of a quiet week, though this week's always a bit of the quiet because sometimes not everybody's playing. As uh, you know, when you got a lot of NESCAC teams, for example, they aren't playing. But so far, only one game of note. Mary Washington lost to Marymount last night, 69-57. This puts Christopher Newport squarely in first place now in the conference as they beat Southern Virginia. However, Christopher Newport's got York ahead of them on Saturday. Mary Washington's got Wesley ahead of them. Very easily could end up tied again, and then we go through the tiebreaker. I think the tiebreaker as it stands now would go in favor of Mary Washington, but I'm not positive. But that's the only loss in the top 25 on the women's side so far. Um, Receiving votes category, Whitewater, the only team that lost. They lost to Oshkosh in a close one, 59-58. Of course, on the men's side, it's always busier. River Falls lost to Eau Claire last night, 83-80. I don't think that's an overly shocking result. I actually thought Eau Claire uh, would have won the first game the first time around. Um, but nonetheless, they don't. They, they, they pick up the loss there. Number four ranked River Falls. Uh, not a bad loss. Eau Claire is a really good team. They just haven't been able to show it every game. Uh, River Falls has Platteville ahead of them. Salisbury lost to St. Mary's. These are the kinds of losses that the Seagulls cannot afford to take. Um... I don't think it kills their, their chances of making the NCAA tournament by any stretch of the imagination. They're now 19-5, and five, but I think they definitely need to get to the conference championship game just to be sure. Um, but it also gives you gives people absolutely no faith that Salisbury is going to be able to go far in the NCAA tournament. 
have a little bit of a, in my opinion, and I know they've got two players right now who may be injured or out with illness, and I think it's their two top players, but sometimes Salisbury plays a little bit too much to their opponent's talent level. And in my opinion, that is their Achilles heel. And I think that shows a little bit here. Now, granted, I thought St. Mary's would be a better squad this year and more in contention than CAC. I mentioned a few shows back that the CAC is just not as good as I anticipated this year. Uh, but at least St. Mary's got a statement game there for themselves. Susquehanna took another loss. Susquehanna could have walked away with a landmark conference, in my opinion, if they have been as good as advertised. Scranton is a good team. They're just not as great as they have been. Catholic's an okay team. I don't want to go out and, I mean, okay by their standards. <laughs> Certainly by my alma mater standards, they're still pretty damn good. Um, but Susquehanna had a chance to walk away with this conference and mop the floor and just haven't been able to do it. Scranton, should they beat Goucher on Saturday, will be the number one seed in the Landmark Conference, if you can believe it. Uh, Scranton defeated Susquehanna 75-66. So Susquehanna out of their hands as they'll play Elizabethtown. Whitewater also lost to Oshkosh on the men's side. 67-63. I don't think Whitewater's in too much trouble, but we'll see what happens. And receiving votes, Guilford lost again, this time to Emory and Henry. Emory and Henry's a good team, but Guilford also needs to be putting their foot down. They lost by five. I think Guilford may be playing themselves out of a, a Pool C. It may be putting the ODAC in a non-Pool C scenario as well. Illinois Wesleyan lost to Wheaton, 81-67. I think Illinois Wesleyan is putting themselves on the outside looking in of the NCAA tournament as of right now. Assuming they're an at-large team, they would have picked up at least an eighth loss. I think things are starting to get a little tenuous. Let's see. If they win this Saturday, they're 18-7. and If they lose in the semifinals, they're 18-8. and I don't know if 18-8 and gets gets them in. 19-8 um, and certainly looks better. I think they got to get to the conference championship. And St. Thomas lost to St. Olaf. St. Thomas has lost a number in a row here. Three in a row, I think, maybe. Uh, 74 67 to fall to 18 and 6. Um, Mayak may only be a one big, though. St. Thomas is about the only one who can get in as an at large, potentially, as of right now. So there you go. That is the uh, the wraparound of the top 25s as of uh, things going on here on a lovely Thursday evening. Uh, and we hope you're in, enjoying the show. Well, whoever said hi to us then went and deleted their comment. Well, that was nice. We hope you got more questions. Oh, there we go. Um, Andrew asks us, do you think hope will host Alma lost? Uh, Hey, uh, Andrew, just understand that when you, when you ask us questions on YouTube and when you ask us questions on Facebook, you know, who's running this show, just me, the only guy you see in front of you is running the show. So I got to keep track of a YouTube page, a Facebook page. I have to keep track of emails and, and Twitter accounts. It's not easy. So bear with us. If we, you ask a question, we will eventually see it and try and answer it. So please, Andrew. I know you, you you asked a couple times there, and we're here. We're here. Uh, do I think Hope will host? Uh, I'm assuming we're talking men. I'm going to go out on a limb there. Um, I'm not sure. Here's what we know from the committee uh, when it comes to hosting in the past. Uh, they have basically um, taken the, what they feel are the top 16 teams in the country. They kind of see them. And they have them host. Now, for the most part, that can equal out to two teams in each region. However, that doesn't always hold true, and there's two things that fall apart here. First and foremost, you may need an extra bid in an extra region. For example, and I don't think it's going to fit with the South this year, but the South sometimes is an extra bid because of uh, 
Uh, Texas, for example, the West could get an extra bid because of the Northwest, but maybe two West teams deserve it. Or because women are hosting, you can't have the men hosting and stuff like that. So in that sense, I think hope's in the running. They're top two in the region, which which automatically gives you that, you know, in a good spot. Here's where I think starts to get tenuous for that example. I don't know if St. Lawrence or Oswego are going to host in the opening weekend right now as we look at regional rankings of the East. Um, not sure Susquehanna hosts. I think the Northeast certainly will get two hosts. The South, let's just say it held right now in Guilford and, and either Concordia or Hardin-Simmons was hosting. Certainly possible. In the West, though, Whitman's the only one who could host. Um, I'm not sure where it goes elsewhere. So that's where things get a little bit different. I do think the Hope men could host. Here's the caveat to all that. The Hope women, or the women, I should say, in general, have the um, advantage in the first weekend. If both teams, and in Hope's case, men and women, are both able to host, the women will have the chance to host. The men will have to wait to the next weekend when it's their advantage. So in odd years, women have the rights in the first weekend, men have the rights in the second weekend. And in that case, Hope men will then go on the road. Um. I don't have a clue who Hope's going to play in the tournament. It is way too early to start bracketing things out right now. Two things. One, Hope's got to get there. Let's let's start with that. They're number two in the region, certainly in good shape. Um, even if they lost, I expect they get into the tournament. Second qualifier, who else gets into the tournament? Who else geographically is in their area? 500 miles starts to come into play. Who else is hosting? There's all kinds of different dynamics here. And then the third thing is, if they are able to host, can they take that whole pod and move it to one of those other four, t three teams in the, in the pod? Or do they have to shuffle up the pod and now that changes the matchups? However, if you want a good idea of who Hope could play, draw a look at 500 miles around Hope and you'll get an idea of who could potentially be their opponents outside of the MIAA teams. Um, Hope's in good position to be able to take a couple teams from the central region, certainly. So we can you, you probably expect some central region teams, maybe a CCIW team, because I don't think they're going to host, will we'll come in that direction, unless it's Augustana. Then they head in a different direction. Um, Benedictine could certainly come there. If It's not going to be great, but it's really hard to gauge who's going to be um, playing who in a tournament 10 days out before we even know who's got automatic qualifiers at this point. So much can change. It's not it, the dynamics in division three bracketing are so huge um, that I, I it's, it's dangerous to do that. And then again, if hope hits the road, that changes who they could be hosting too, because they could go 500 miles to a school. And then that enters another 500 mile radius of who could get to them as to who they play. If they're hosting, then it's anybody 500 miles around them. That's where that changes constantly. Are they hosting? Are they not hosting? Um, and, so, and so on and so forth. Being a number two, I suspect they'll play a lower-ranked team. It could mean a lower-ranked Great Lakes team. Um, maybe a low-ranked, like an AMC, AMCC or a PAC champion. Um, it could be an HCAC team if they don't think, well, though Hanover is pretty highly ranked right now. Uh, again, bottom of the SLIAC, bottom of the, um, or the SLIAC, I should say, not bottom of, but the SLIAC. Uh, and Benedictine, I don't love, but it could be a Benedictine type squad. So there's all kinds of options out there. Really hard to say who will be able to, uh, you know, who will, you know, be playing and who will be hosting right now as we still got a, a, things, a few things to wait for. On that note, we're going to take a break. Um, we're going to jump and start with women's basketball. We're going to go out to George Fox 
and talk to their head coach, Michael Meek. He'll join us on the program to talk about his team and how they are doing. He certainly expects them to um, uh, put up a good fight this coming week. The question is, can they get past Whitman the first time so Whitman can come to their place? And if they can get past Whitman the first time, that time, can they then uh, get past him a second time to maybe secure themselves an opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament? There's a lot going on here, and I'm not really sure where they sit. Well, Coach Michael Meek will join us to talk about it all coming up here on the show. You listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hope when we return. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Cheer for the stumbles. The he should have had bets. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the Thursday edition show. Don't forget, on this show, we talk primarily about the East Mid-Atlantic uh, Great Lakes and West regions. If you've got questions for us, for our guests, if they are live, um, or anything else, of course, get the Hoopsville mailbag coming up. Information's on the bottom of your screen. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can tweet us at d3hoopsville uh, as well on Twitter or use the hashtag hoopsville. You can certainly follow us on Facebook. Follow us on our simulcast on Facebook and ask questions there, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Um, and, of course, we're on Instagram. Don't, don't ask your questions there. Uh, we don't answer them through Instagram. It's more promotional, but we're at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville there as well. Let's get things started with our interviews tonight. We're going to start with the number 24 ranked team in the country on the women's side. They are the George Fox Bruins, a team that is synonymous with excellence and, of course, synonymous with the NCAA tournament, have made quite a number of runs deep into the tournament this year. I would say this year's squad, or I say most seasons, this year's squad, however, a little bit different. 
Um, we're not used to four losses from the Bruins uh, at this point in the season. Doesn't mean they're not still good in what is a terrific Northwest Conference race if you haven't been paying attention. Puget Sound leads it, but Whitman and, and uh, George Fox are still battling it out. Would love to host the semifinal game. And everybody's trying to position themselves to potentially make the NCAA tournament. The recent rankings, though, make it a little bit ominous. Ominous. We'll try and use our big words. So joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville hotline is the head coach of George Fox, the number four, 24 team in the country. Michael Meek joins us. And, Coach, uh, welcome to Hoopsville again. Dave, thank you. Thanks uh, Thanks for having us on today. appreciate being here. I appreciate it as well. should mention, uh, in case uh, it comes up in conversation, we are pre-taping this interview with Coach. Uh, they've got a travel weekend ahead a little bit. They've got to head up to yeah. Whitworth and Whitman this weekend. We'll certainly talk about the particulars of those games, but finishing the season on the road is always a little bit tough. Yes, you know, we, we, we seem to, I think in the this now, the seventh year here at George Fox, I think this is the sixth year we've ended uh, with this trip. So, yeah. uh, you know, obviously two two great programs and, and two great teams again. So we know we have our work cut out. and uh, But it's always fun to get out on the road a little bit too with the team. This is a squad that over the course of the last handful of years, counting your years and, and counting the coaching staffs before that, we've never seen more than, well, we've only seen four losses in conference once before, back in 2013. Um, we usually are used to two or three or, of course, none. This year you already have three. You got four overall. You're in a tie with Whitman who has three. Puget Sound has already clinched the regular season. It's been, you know, we're used to a good battle in the Northwest. I almost feel like it's been a better battle this year. Yeah, you know, I, I think really over the last few years, it's just the, the competitive, you know, the whole competitiveness of the league all the way from the top to the bottom. It just, you know, continues to improve. And, uh, you know, I think the last couple of years, if, if you kind of go back and look, I mean, I, we did not have um, one road game that wasn't just a, a battle for us. And, you know, we just, those teams just kind of found ways to to work through it. And, you know, this year's team is, of course, right there. As you said, we have four losses. and um, But but yet all four of those losses are to nationally ranked teams, yeah. um, you know, Tr- Trinity, UPS, <laughs> Whitman, and and we were within one with a, a minute to go of all four of those games. So, you know, right there knocking on the door, um, you know, we obviously know we have a great team, a team that would do well in the tournament. And, um, you know, I, I think our, our, our league kind of speaks for itself of how well we've done through the years when we've got to the tournament. Yeah, that's the interesting thing. You bring it up. Uh, you know, you've lost to Trinity, who's ranked. They're also number one in their region. You've lost to Puget Sound uh, twice. Of course, they're number two in the region. You've lost to Whitman, who's uh, number five in the region. You, you're, All your losses are what we would call good losses. There's certainly nothing you yeah. shake your head yeah. at, necessarily. Interesting enough, when we look at the regional rankings, though, you are sitting seventh. Your SOS isn't that bad, but you have three wins against non-division threes that basically aren't even being included. They might be when you get yeah. down to the conversation with Whitman, should you guys get into that, because they played some similar squads. But you find yourself seventh in the rankings. Does that put uh, maybe a little bit more pressure, not only on this weekend, but on the conference tournament in, your, in, the, in the sense of what you guys are trying to do and get into March as a Bruins team? Yeah, well, I, you know, I think we go into every year with, regardless of what our record is, is, is putting, you know, pressure on ourselves sure. to try to win the tournament and not, you know, really not take any chances with that. So I think that in itself remains the same. But, you know, we also know that, uh, you know, it's it's we've got some tough opponents going coming up and we've got to continue to play well. And, you know, we hope that, you know, when everything's said and done, that, 
the committee looks at, you know, our league and how well that we've done through the years. And, uh, you know, I think, I, I think as you know, I, I think uh, if you look at how many championships our league has played in over the last, you know, few years and the fact that we really only get one team, like literally one team that, that gets a chance to get out of the round of 32, it's, it's really remarkable that we've sent so many teams to the yeah. championship game. And, you know, even last season being, you know, I, I, I could be wrong here, but I think of the, the top seeds going to the tournament, you know, the other three seeds hosted all four games to get in, and, and we were on the road the whole time. So, right. you know, our league, for, you know, has a lot of challenges. I, I think the challenge, you know, you even brought up is just the fact that we do have some non-league games that aren't D3, and, you know, that's, again, a, a challenge that we have in our league is it's just not easy to get game in, game out of D3 opponents. So, uh, you know, we do our best to, to, to try to play the best teams we can and, and try to manage the budget all at the same time, but, we also know that our league is, you know, top of the line. And I think, I think we've, again, team after team has shown that when they get into the tournament and, and how far they generally advance. And not to belabor the point, but, you know, I've had this conversation with Whitman a couple of years ago. They had five non-Division three games, and we could see the writing on the wall that it was going to cost them an at-large bid. They're down to three this year. Um, I look at your men's team. They played nothing but Division three teams. And I know that there's this, the challenge of the geography. I know there's the challenge of the budget and certainly other factors. And I know you've tried because we've seen you at different events. Yeah. But my question yeah. is, is it maybe is there more is it easier maybe on the men's side to entice teams to come to you or find games in Division three that maybe have some travel that the men have been able to solve and my basis being the men seem to be able to get teams to come out there Whitman and Whitmer certainly do it looks like George Fox and others have been able to do it but it seems like there's some something that keeps the women's teams in the northwest from from filling the schedule is it hard to get people to come to you maybe that that the men are like yeah let's go do it yeah you know I don't I don't I can't really speak for the men's side and and you know necessarily how they've been able to pull teams um you know, for us, I think it's a lot of time a year-to-year basis. Like this year, we we had to play some non-D3 opponents, um, and that's just you know what worked into our budgeting to try to make it work and uh, and and respect to to the kids too and travel and making sure that they're here at school and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think there's factors that go into it, and then you know some years we have a predominant. Um, three schedule as well and obviously we'd love to have a full schedule 25 d3 opponents yeah. and uh, but you know i i, I think it, uh, for obvious reasons I, I think it's clear to look at our conference in particular uh probably more so than any conference um you know skyhack probably has some uh some of those same concerns but but i think no question the northwest conference has the hardest time getting d3 opponents to come out there in the winter and uh to play us and um, you know, so I, I think there's some clear geography challenges that uh, that that happen, and uh, you know, I, I think probably going back to the men's, you know, there's I'm sure years that they've had to play non uh, Division three opponents is too to fill their schedule, and some years that they have, uh, you know, predominant full D three schedules. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Middle of winter, it's not that hard to entice a team to come to Southern California. Nothing exactly, against right. the Washington and Oregon. I've been out there; it is beautiful. But yeah, it's a yeah. harder sell in the middle of winter, <laughs> to say the least. Um, no question, and 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 that being a, obviously a big factor in, in the rankings and how many three points you have, I yeah. think it's it's something that just makes it that much more difficult. And I would I would hope that you know things like that would be considered in the body of work that our league has really produced over the years. And and again, just the 
the fact that we really only get one team because we have to play each other past the round of 32. I mean, we get one chance at it. And, and think about that one team and how well they've done yeah. through the years. It's just, to me, it's really remarkable. Yeah. Uh, especially uh, even on the men's side, they haven't had that same success as they have on, uh, on the women's side, certainly. And yeah. and you point that out. Though this game this weekend against Whitman, and I know you got Whitworth first. You're going to have to beat Whitworth to set up the Whitman game in those scenarios that I'm talking about. But, you know, us media guys, we, we look further ahead. Um, but <laughs> yeah. this game against Whitman has a lot riding on it. Should you beat them uh, and everything else holds holds even, you will host the 2-3 game against them. Should you lose, yep. they host the game. If you beat them, you could leap up into the regional rankings into a much more comfortable position, um, most likely ahead of them. Uh, they beat you, you might get into an even tougher spot in those regional rankings. And we still have the, you know, we, we know you're going to play each other in the conference tournament. So the next, you know, few games have a lot riding on them outside of trying to make a run for the AQ. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I think that you know we 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 both are, are very good teams, and I, I think that that's been proven as, as far as our records go. And who, like you said, and we do have four losses on the season, but I I, I do know they're all quality losses mm-hmm. against quality teams, and, and Whitman's in the same situation. So, uh, you know, we, we 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 both know that this is a big game, and I and I think you know that it's no guarantee when you get a host that, you know, but it, it, there's a lot of conveniencies with it. And it's nice to be in front of your home crowd. And yeah. we've had such, you know, phenomenal community support as well, that, uh, you know, we'd love to, to take that game home and, 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 and be able to play there and give us a chance to play for the, you know, automatic qualifier. And that's, that's everyone's goal. I think going to the season is to, to get in the tournament and, uh, and then it's a matter of getting hot at the right time. Is there pressure at George Fox to, to make the NCAA tournament? I was looking through the history. Ten out of 12 years you've made the NCAA tournament, including three of the last four. or three. Uh, it's better than that. Um, nine of the last ten, I think. Um, you've been the uh, coach. You've made it five of the six years. Is there pressure yeah. in that sense or a really high expectation that this team is to make the NCAA tournament, even if unfortunately you bow out in the first weekend, it's just expected you're playing in March. You know, I think each team is different, and you know, I think we knew coming into this season that this was going to be a, a, a you know two two outstanding senior classes in a row that graduated yeah. that did remarkable things, and uh, you know, we knew going this season that we were going to be a lot younger, and uh, I, I got to tell you, I just thrilled with the way this team has kind of managed things, the way they've really improved throughout the season. Uh, you know, we have uh, numerous freshmen in our rotation, mm-hmm. uh, sophomore starters. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a really young group. And, and, you know, I, I, I feel very fortunate, you know, as we were talking earlier, just what a great group of kids this is. So from that regard, I think, you know, we feel really good about where we are and where, where we're setting up for the future, but, you know, you're totally correct. I mean, the expectations that we have for ourselves, not for not for anything that's been done before, but mm-hmm. really each team. I mean, every team that we have really wants to say, hey, this this is our goal, and we think that's a reachable goal and an obtainable goal for us. So uh, I, I think our kids do a really good job of just kind of looking at each season. I think our staff does a really good job of looking at each season as a whole new season. We've got to reprove ourselves and, you know, retry to get back to that NCAA tournament and make a run at it. And, you know, I think – our league in particular is very well aware of, you know, how well we've done getting there. 
but yet what a challenge it seems to continue to be to, to get more teams there. So, uh, you know, we're, 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 we think this is a league again that uh, deserves at least three opportunities to get there. And, uh, you know, I, I think two is, is, is at least will happen. And, um, you know, but we'll, we'll have to have the committee decide that. And hopefully we can just take care of our own business and not have to be put in that situation. Uh, you talk about your team. What might be scary for many is that you only have two seniors on it. You talk about the number of freshmen and sophomores that you are playing this year. You're led by a junior in Caitlin Jamison at 13.2 points a game, 6.7 rebounds a game, uh, three blocks a game. Uh, then you got your two seniors. Is it Casey uh, Creech? Casey Creech and Kim Frost. Yeah. Creech uh, and Kimberly Frost, both 10 points a game. Um both about three rebounds a game. Both hand out, uh, well, Frost hands out over five assists a game. Creech hands out two assists a game. And they both have more than two steals a game. Frost with four. And then it's sophomores and freshmen. Yep. Heading, Spencer, Col- yep. uh, Coleman, and, and Hartney, uh, along with McDivitt. Uh, you know, all these sophomores and freshmen. So you've got, what, yep. three seniors on this team. Uh, two of them have played in 23 games, yep. 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 And, and one's played yep. in six. So obviously, you know, banged up. But... This is this is really about continuing the, the the momentum, but building into the years ahead as well. Yeah, we we feel great about that. And we've really been able to take a young group and, and be very competitive again. And uh, the seniors have really stepped up. It's been awesome to see just how they've progressed throughout the years. And you know, Kim Kim in particular has been a uh, you know started for us at point guard, but really was more of a traditional point guard. And this year, we we really had to call on her to be more of a playmaker and. You know, her turnover assist ratio has been, you know, awesome. And, and her, you know, her one of the nation leaders in steals and, uh, and you know, is, is also put a lot more of a scoring load on her than she has had in the past. And, and Casey as well, as, you know, was a, a very key part of last year's team too, but has really stepped into a, a much more of a scoring role as well. And I, I think both those kids have really stepped up and, and have had, you know, awesome years, just really, really, been cool to watch how their leadership has grown too and they you know we 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 obviously are coming back very competitive i mean we we of course would you know everyone like to be undefeated every year but that's that's really not realistic and uh we don't we don't ever set that as a goal i mean our goal really is to go one and oh and right now our our primary focus is whitworth right now that's the the next game in front of us and um and then we'll move on from there uh, I love your roster, uh, mixture of the West Coast, certainly, but you also have one from Soldatna, Alaska, which is on the Kenai Peninsula, southwest of Anchorage. <laughs> yeah. You even have one from Honolulu, Hawaii. You guys went out to Hawaii um, in in years past to play games. Uh, you certainly have uh, some fun uh, with that roster, and, and those players are going to be there for a little bit of time. But how do you pull one in from Hawaii, and how do you pull one in from Soldatna, Alaska? Yeah, just things, you know, with, with recruiting, sometimes things work out that way. And, <laughs> uh, you know, you get kids that show interest in your school as well. And, those, you know, two awesome kids that it's been it's been great to have them here. And, uh, you know, we, we do have some some fun as a team. But we also, you know, we, we as we talked about to start with, and we kind of have to travel to get D3 opponents. So yeah. uh, We should point out, by the way, uh, not that far from Anchorage. There's a ton of flights out of your region. Up into up into Anchorage, so Soldatna <laughs> is not that far from the extreme, and people should realize Hawaii is not that far from the extreme either. Uh, relatively speaking, to us East Coasters, where those places feel very, very far apart. I've flown to Alaska; I should know. Um, 
Obviously, big games ahead. Uh, you guys are an NCAA tournament type team, um, but I'd be remiss without talking about the past just a little bit. Um, you have talked about those deep runs by Northwest schools. You guys have been one of the biggest ones to make runs to the championship weekend and championship game. Of course, you guys were in the championship game a couple years ago against Thomas Moore, who uh, was told by the NCAA to vacate that season and vacate that title. I know it's been a few months since that decision has come down. I can only imagine what your reactions have been to that, but what have been your thoughts to not only what happened, um, but your your not role in it, certainly, but your place in that history? Yeah, you know, I, it, it, believe it or not, it's one of those things that we don't really discuss as a team and uh, you know, talk about as a program. And really, we just kind of looked back and reflected upon that season of what a fantastic season it was for us. And, yeah. you know, that was a team that was picked to take fourth in our conference and, uh, you know, ran an undefeated season until the championship game and, um, you know, ran into a really tough team there. And so, uh, you know, we, we really, I think, just really try to focus on the positives we had out of that season. And, again, we, we, we try to focus so much more on the journey and, and and the time that we have together, and the fact that you only get these experiences so many times that uh, I, I think it would be uh, kind of a waste of time to reflect in on it any other way. Um, and so, yeah, we it, it, again, it just was it was a special season that I think nobody expected coming, and it, it was just um, it, it, it was a, a wonderful experience. Not to belabor it, but how do you handle the questions? Should the championship be yours? It would have been the program second had you won the game. Um, but how do you handle those uh, questions when they come? And I'm sure they came fast and furious from everybody as close as team uh, members to um, alums who just have an inquisitive mind. You know, I, I honestly look back in the, the you know, the championship that, that we played in the, before when we had, you know, Hannah Munger, who was such a yeah. key part of our team that got hurt in the championship game. Right? That one. That one, in a lot of a lot of ways, was you know a really hard one. Uh, we had such a great team and, and, and made such a great run. And uh, you know, we we want to go out and earn a championship. We don't want to back into one in any way. So we really haven't had a lot of talk about that. And again, we're just we're thankful for what that team went through and what an exciting year we had. And you know, we're hoping to have another one like that someday. Yeah. Well, hey, well said. Certainly, well said. You, yeah, we got to remember that 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 season with Munger. Wow. That was an incredible one, yeah. too. And you still have a championship in, in the rafters, though Scott Ruick was head coach at the time, but uh, yeah. not, not too bad. Uh, coach, I appreciate you taking the time to talk about the squad and, and what is an amazing conference race. Uh, I would love yeah. to tell you, I'd love to see all three of your teams out and then not play each other in the first weekend, but we kind of know the oh, reality. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of know love how this to is lining up. teams get a chance to make a run at it. That, that, would, be a, that would be amazing. That would be a great thing for our league. Yeah, yeah, it would be great to see. Maybe Scott Ruick can can help get D1 to pay out a ton of money to help that happen. But uh, <laughs> yeah. in the mean, so we wish you luck, obviously, with, with the games ahead against Whitworth and Whitman and certainly the, the, the conference tournament game against Whitman that is looming as well. Um, but as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who are tuning in? No, I just, you know, Dave, I want to thank you again for this opportunity to, to talk about, you know, George Fox and our, our great university, but also the Northwest Conference. What a great division, great coaches, and uh, we're going to continue to, to work hard to do great things, and, and thank you for all you're doing for D3 Hoops. Well, thank you, Coach. Appreciate it as well. Good luck, like I said, and we'll look forward to talking about the Bruins down the road. 
Awesome. Take care. You too. Michael Meek joining us once again from George Fox, the 24th ranked team in the country, 7th ranked in the regional rankings, though subject to change with two games against Whitman absolutely coming up. They will play Whitman. Of course, they got to play Whitworth first. Got to get through that game coming up on Friday. Then they got Whitman on Saturday. Uh, then they've got Whitman the following week. Saturday's game will determine who will host that. Whitman again uh, in the semis and then the championship game for whoever wins. Puget Sound most likely on the other side of that, though Puget Sound is going to have to get past uh, Lewis and Clark, who's also pretty decent this year at 15-8. and eight. Should mention, as we did at the beginning of the show, once again, thanks to George Fox, the first school to buy advertising on this show. I want to thank their president, Robin Baker. Just happened to time out for a time that we were looking to get a Northwest women's school on the show this week. So it just happened to work out that George Fox jumped on board for the end of this season, along with getting Michael Meek on the show. But we look for that relationship with George Fox to continue on the advertising side in the future. And we know we have a friend in, in, in President Baker. And at the same time, we hope other schools jump on as well. When we come back, we'll keep talking women's basketball, but we'll come out of the great Northwest and we'll head into Pennsylvania. It's a bit of a flight, we realize, but we'll do it in about two minutes. Coming up, Dickinson women's basketball comes on and the crazy centennial race that might end up with just one team in the NCAA tournament. Could it be Dickinson? We'll talk to their head coach coming up. You'll listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville when we return. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. When George Fox University was founded in 1891, its creators envisioned two things, a challenging educational experience and a community where students could deepen their faith. 125 years later, the core of who we are remains unchanged and our focus on the whole person, our be known promise, remains as vibrant and relevant today as it was back then. At George Fox University, you'll never be a number. You will be known. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. That two-minute quick flight from uh, Oregon to Pennsylvania has just taken place in the grand scheme of television. We're still talking women's basketball. Shifting gears, though, and now in the Centennial Conference and talking Mid-Atlantic basketball as we do most Thursday nights. Remember, if you've got questions for us, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. 
Tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Um, you can also ask us questions on our simulcast on Facebook Live, though, to be honest, it is tough to follow all the questions, so bear with us. If you've asked one, we will get to it at a, at a, preview, at a later time, especially if we're in any pre-taped segments. We'll try and get to your questions if we can answer them on air at a later time. Of course, the Hoopsville Mailbag segment coming up. And please don't forget the Hoopsville fundraising efforts. We're only about 10% of the way to our goal, and we have less than two weeks. It's not going so well, so please help us out. We know we have a lofty goal, and we appreciate any help that you can provide. We'll talk more about that of course, at the end of the show as well. So talking women's basketball, talking Centennial Region, or Centennial Conference in the Mid-Atlantic region, one of the teams that has kind of made the Centennial Conference a little bit more interesting in recent years has been Dickinson. It wasn't that long ago. They were 5-19. and 19. Heck, they wasn't that long ago. They were 3-22. and 22. They've come a long way since then. 16-10 and 10 last year made it to the Centennial Conference playoffs. This year, they're 17-7, and 7, tied for second, at 14-5 and five in the conference with a team everyone thought was going to win this conference, Muhlenberg. They've also had a few interesting games along the way. So joining us on the City of Salem Skype hotline is their head coach, Catherine Bixby. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Hi, thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Uh, a thrill to chat with you. The Red Devils um, playing darn well. Uh, we'll talk about the craziness of the season, as it were, a little bit later. Uh, and uh, including the fact that you kind of have fits and famines this season, but the fact that in your third season with the program, this program is no longer a doormat in the Centennial Conference is saying a lot. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Uh, I, I wouldn't even be the first to think it was even a doormat at once because I came in and thought that there was some serious talent here mm -hmm. and they are one of the hardest working teams I've ever been a part of. So they've been a blast to coach and they've made my job easier, I think. And certainly made an impact right away. We talked about the, you know, 17 and 7 to 16 and 10 and now 17 and 7. You you've made it to the conference tournament, uh, pretty much a polar opposite of two years ago. Um, and no matter what happens this weekend, you're in, you're gonna be in the semifinals and in the way the centennial works, you're gonna be on the road. Uh, yeah. up to the number one who will be Haverford. But it's got to be a thrill for this program to be in the mix now, to be in this conversation, to be playing extra games, and to be up there in, in the conversation with the top teams in the conference. Yeah, it is. You can you can sense it on, on campus. Again, I wasn't here during the times that it was really struggling, but uh, a lot of campus participants come and, you know, they're constantly telling us how great the program is, and we've got a lot of faculty uh, up in our up in our program that that kind of bolster the excitement and because we're you know in a small town we've got a lot of people from the community that come in now we get at least you know three or four teams a game from local elementary schools some travel teams it, the excitement is palpable and it's and it's fun I like that yeah, no, that makes a big difference, and it gets the team kind of involved. You're coming off, you're on a bit of a, a run here, five straight wins. Yep. Uh, you've won eight of your last 11. Uh, just yep. beat Franklin and Marshall on Wednesday uh, at home. You beat Ursinus in overtime prior to that and Gettysburg on the road as well. And again, yep. you're now set up in the conference tournament. Uh, you will play take on Muhlenberg um, in that semifinal. And Muhlenberg, you guys have had a bit of a history this year triple overtime game back on December 1st, uh, which you won at home. Muhlenberg then returned the favor uh, a little bit later on the 26th of January, winning by 10, though not in overtime. But to get that win early on, I get a sense, was was maybe the catalyst of this season. 
For sure. You know, Muhlenberg uh, has always been a phenomenal program and still is a phenomenal program. I grew up in Philly and I, you know, Ron recruited me out of Philly and I've been very familiar with the program and uh, the prestige that surrounds it in women's basketball and to coach against Ron the past two years and not, you know, get over that hump. But progressively, we had been getting better and better versus them, you know, losing to them for the third time last year in the semifinals, but only by eight. And again, with a team, a Dickinson team that really hadn't competed with top 25 teams or teams in our Centennial Conference. So you could almost feel it coming. You know, that that game was an excellent storyline. It was all the two years built up, the five games, and our team was really excited to play them. And to beat them in triple overtime was just insane. I mean, it showed a lot of guts and it showed a lot of stubbornness. Uh, this team, I've always said, is kind of stubborn. They don't give up and they don't let uh, history or anything bug them. Uh, but, you know, you got to give it to Muhlenberg. They hit two three-point shot buzzer beaters to tie that game. And it was it was, it was a game that I'm never going to forget, for sure. Yeah, I don't think uh, Ron's going to forget it either. Yeah. Though I find it funny that Ron tries to recruit you out of Philly. You end up going up to uh, Ithaca yep. uh, and playing there, certainly in some heyday teams there. You're a all D3Hoops.com all-region selection twice up there. And then you get into coaching, and now you're coaching against Ron. I'm sure he's had a few words like, hey, thanks a lot. Yeah, you know, he's... Great. I mean, he's always 100% focused on what's going on in the yeah. moment. So I don't, we haven't we haven't gotten back to that. But you know, even Jim Buckley, my first year coaching at Dick at Dickinson, I coached against Jim Buckley, who was one of my AAU coaches. So it was it was definitely a fun kind of circle back to history for a little bit. It certainly answers the question, though. How in the world did you get from Ithaca to Dickinson? The answer is pretty obvious there. You've got the roots in the Philadelphia area, so you've known this region quite well, and it's certainly showing in the recruiting. Back to the schedule, that three-game, that triple overtime, by the way, was back-to-back-to-back overtime games. You beat Lancaster Bible in OT. You beat McDaniel in OT. Um, Unfortunately, that was a game I couldn't make. In some way, I'm kind of thankful since it went overtime. Um, and then Muhlenberg and triple. But that's one. That, that's three. You played five overtime games. Haverford, you lost in overtime, the top of the conference. And yep. you just beat her sinus in overtime. What is it with the overtimes here? Oh, man. I wish I could put a finger on it. Unfortunately, uh, two of those overtimes, we blew a lead late in a game, which is not oh. great. No. Uh, most recently against our sinus, we were up seven with about 30 seconds left, and we really biffed that one. Uh, some of them were just comebacks and good games and, you know, late draw-ups. Maybe it has a little bit to do with the new rules that we're still getting better at with advancing the ball and drawing up, you know, some good sideline out-of-bounds plays. A lot of the teams that we're playing against are getting good looks and we're tying games or – we're not getting so good looks, and games are staying tied. So it's it's been it's been a lot of fun, but it's good. We have five overtime experience games going into the postseason, so I think our team feels pretty confident if it is a close game. In time wise, almost played an entire other game. You're gonna have to play one more overtime, and then you get that bonus game. Wow! Uh, added on, just so you know. Um, wow. Another thing that jumps out to me too is you you kind of had fits or famines when you lose usually 
it kind of comes in a group. You did have a loss early in the season, kind of came back from that, but then you lost to Messiah, which caused you to lose to Haverford. You beat Bryn Mawr, but then lost to Ursina, so three out of four. Then four games later, you lose to Hopkins, which starts another three-game stretch where you lose to Hopkins, Muhlenberg, and Haverford. Now you're on the winning side of that. Have the losses just been bad timing or have losses almost fed off each other that you kind of get in the funk as a team and you got to break out of it? Yeah, I think the the one that was about two weeks ago was a three-game week, and that is that's tough. That is tough. Uh, this is a high academic conference, and to have three games in one week against Muhlenberg, Haverford, you know, the, the really strong teams, and Hopkins was really on a roll then, uh, it's tough. And it felt kind of like a spiral. But on the flip side, you know, we were able to – jump out of that hole, which I was really impressed with. At the the end of our Haverford game, I was starting to get a little concerned because we had to beat Gettysburg and Ursinus on the road. And those are two really tough road games. Mm-hmm. And I was really proud of how the team just kind of stuck with it, again, with that kind of um, just stubborn, hardworking mentality that they're going to keep working as hard as they can. And those two, those two wins – Last week were huge for us. Yeah. Really tough week. Well, yeah, and that was the thing. Obviously, you played Hopkins at home on the 24th, and two days later, you're on the road against you know a, a top conference power in Muhlenberg, and then two days later on the road against a top conference power in Haverford. Yep. This race has been kind of interesting. I know you're kind of new to it in, in some sense. I think a lot thought at the beginning that Muhlenberg would maybe win this conference. They were top 25 ranked. Thought yep. maybe Haverford would have a say, but the rest of it would kind of be a mute point. Muhlenberg struggled this year for all intents and purposes. Haverford has been the class of the conference, and then you guys have thrown yourselves into the mix here. Does that give you confidence that you could go out there and win the AQ? I think it does. I, you know, in both our games versus Muhlenberg and Haverford recently, we were up with about three or four minutes left, and some missed shots here, some really excellent coaching by Ron and Bobby on the other side and that game was theirs but I think our team is starting to feel it and it's it's pretty exciting to think that our team could be competing for a championship against the likes of a Muhlenberg and against likes of Haverford with Bobby Morgan there she's done a phenomenal job yeah Uh, no matter how you do this you're probably going to have to go through one of the top teams you're going to have to go through Muhlenberg and you're most likely going to be going through Haverford and at Haverford's place Right. Uh, certainly a factor, too. You've got, what, uh, three seniors, four seniors on this team, two of them uh, leading the way. Helen Roberts, uh, 14 points a game, three rebounds a game, two assists a game, um, shoots pretty well from the floor, 36%, 38% from beyond the arc. Mary Martin, another senior, 12.2 points a game, seven rebounds a game. Cassidy yep. Lesher, a junior, nearly a double-double, nine points and 12 rebounds. Yep. And Hannah, uh, was it hiring, you told me? Yep. Yep. Uh, earlier, uh, a freshman, seven and a half points a game, and Lauren McBride, a freshman, seven point two. So you've got an interesting dynamic here. A couple, uh, a couple seniors leading the way, but underclassmen making significant um, uh, contributions. Yeah, we've got a fun balance. We actually have five seniors on this team, and all five of them contribute to this program immensely. Uh, Jenny Smith is now the other. Jennifer Smith's mm-hmm. the other starter. She's a senior and. It's a good balance, you know. It's the seniors that have a really phenomenal work ethic, and with Mary and Helen at the top, you know, to have our leaders be our hardest workers and our best players is excellent. Uh, Cass, our juniors, are phenomenal. Mackenzie Scarrett, 
hopefully we're going to have Maraid back. Uh, Maraid's been out for a couple weeks. She's kind of our sixth woman off the bench uh, and another big. So Cass can get some relief, get some rest. And, you know, we've got some great upper class power. And then to have this new energy of the first years with Hannah and Lauren contributing has taken some of the pressure off of, you know, Mary and Helen and even Cass. So it's, we, we like to say it's a, it's a good balance and it, it can definitely be one of the contributing factors to the success of this season. Do you talk to the t- this team about the pressures of, of, of winning a game or trying to win the AQ? Because obviously we're, you're not going to make the NCAA tournament unless you win the AQ. We're, we're not even talking about a regionally ranked op- team here. But do you even bring those things up, or is it because the turnaround this program's had that you're basically playing with gravy? Uh, and 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 just you know enjoying it that it's just about playing the game and enjoying it and we'll just let this see where the chips fall yep dave you've got it i think this team isn't dumb uh the coaching staff isn't dumb we understand that we have to win the championship to get an ncaa tournament however we don't talk about it that much because from my experience it's a new team uh it is gravy. We've shown progress already, you know, going from the playing game to having a bye in our conference tournament this year. That shows progress, which to me is really important. Uh, and all they have to do is work hard and keep focusing on the little things that we talk about, keep focusing on the scouts, and hopefully it'll all fall into place without having that pressure to make the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, you said I came from Ithaca, and Ithaca, that was constantly on our minds. We had to yeah. make it to the NCAA tournament. Uh, so that I, we're not here. We're not there yet, you yeah. know, whatsoever. Uh, but it's exciting to think about competing for a championship uh, for the first time in about 10 years here. So I think they know that. They can feel that. Uh, whether it comes up or not, it's not planned that we talk about it. How, so how do you approach this final game? It's a home game against Washington College, and many will tell you in the Centennial Conference, good, because you don't want to go to Washington College. Um, it is a very difficult place to play for varying reasons. But what? how do you approach this final game? There's there's nothing on the line. You're locked into the playoffs. You're locked into playing Muhlenberg. You don't have to worry about regional rankings, so it's not like you need a win here to keep yourself alive or some scenario like that. How do you approach the final game outside of the fact that it's senior night? Well, it's still a really important game for us. Like you said, a loss tends to trigger some other losses yeah. for this team. So we've, we're going to approach it just like any other game. Uh, we're going to come out. We're going to start with our usual starters. And not to mention, I mean, Washington College has really improved their season, and they're a good team. We can't just waltz out there and think that, you know, we can go through the motions, but we want to approach it just like any other game to hope, hopefully give us some good boost into that postseason game versus Muhlenberg on Friday. We, we need to have some good mojo. We've got to have things clicking. So it's, it's, a, it's a, still a really important game for us. By the way, and speaking of oddities of the schedule, I did not realize Messiah had left the MAC Commonwealth and joined the Centennial this year. You played them twice. Oh, uh, you played home at St. Mary's, <laughs> lost by 30, and then played them in the beginning of January yeah. and lost by 19. Yeah. I know it's quirks, but sometimes the message gets who's, hey, I'm playing them already. Can we avoid them? Uh, you, yeah. didn't, you didn't get to avoid them. How, it's just a little odd. 
Yeah, you know, we, we approached that second game to hopefully compete with them and keep it close. For the first half, we did that. Yeah. For the second half, it you know, their defense really got to us. Yeah. But it was good for our team to see that caliber of a team, um, to see what that other level is. And it's not unattainable. It's just, you know, it, it revolves around some discipline and then just some sheer physicality. You know, Messiah, that conference is a physical conference with some great defense. So it's important for our team to see that. And it, again, we're not fighting for an at-large bid. We're not fighting for a top 25 position at this moment. So it didn't necessarily hurt us. I mean, maybe it did. It hurt some of our team's uh, pride a little bit, but it was good for us to see that that type of level how much can you appreciate the region the centennial this year is probably going to you know only get one team in maybe right. two it really depends yeah. but we're looking at the landmark potentially three you're looking at the mac commonwealth could have two or three you're looking at the yeah. cac could have two or three maybe even four if, if things break right for some of those conferences it is a deep difficult women's region this year right up there with yep. the great lakes if not deeper than the great lakes so not as strong on the top maybe would be the argument yeah. As a team who's trying to compete in this and has seen some of this region, how do you, especially as a younger coach, appreciate or take in about this this region that maybe the rest of us have missed? Man, it's it's a phenomenal region. And I don't think maybe you understand because you, you got your hand in Division Three women's basketball quite a bit, but it's phenomenal basketball. It's well thought out. It's scouted it's disciplined and it's just really good basketball and uh i think it's a great region and it's hard to be a part of it but you can definitely appreciate how strong the basketball is and i think the high school teams around here reflect that too the high school programs within this mid-atlantic region are just as strong uh you can go watch a high school game and it's phenomenal so then the colleges around us kind of feed into that as well um, I remember our first experience with this region was actually when I played and Ithaca played to sales in that mm -hmm. like tournament. And we were hit with that tough man-to-man -to -man defense with, you know, a lot of mismatch reads on the offensive side and pushing the ball. And at Ithaca, we weren't ready for that. We weren't prepared for that. And, you know, that was my first taste of this mid-Atlantic region basketball, which is just it's just, you know, a bloodbath. Yeah. You know, you're just all beating each other up every night. But it's good. It's only going to make us better. The more I can watch, you know, the likes of the coaches at Moravan, you know, she's a Dickinson College alum. Uh, you know, there's just some great coaching around here. So it's great for me to learn from them, watch, and try and get as much as possible to get Dickinson up at that level. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of good coaches and throughout the Mid-Atlantic. You're absolutely right about that. But uh, it is a it is, that's a good point. Yeah, there's some I said somebody who turned to me goes, I can't believe how many fouls was in the CAC game. I went, it's the CAC <laughs> game. Uh, I'm I'm not surprised in the least yep. uh, that they're going after each other. Well, coach, I appreciate you taking time to join us to talk about the the Dickinson women's basketball team and obviously the turnaround that you've been so key in, in helping perform, but also the fact that you're in the in, in the Centennial Conference conversation, which is. You know, great to see. It's not uh, it's not as isolated uh, at the top as everyone would expect it to be, and it's fun to see. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word, though. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? 
Yeah, Dave, I just want to thank you for letting me uh, talk with you and for everything you do for Division Three basketball. I think you're a phenomenal uh, voice and you you're giving us exposure that that's exciting and it's and I and I enjoy hearing it and thank you. Well, thank you for the kind words. We we really can't do the show unless the coaches agree to come on. So we appreciate yeah. it. Otherwise, it's just me talking, and no one wants to hear that. Uh, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the of the season here as you as you make a run in the tournament. Great, thanks, Dave. Uh, Catherine Bixby joining us once again from Dickinson. As we mentioned, seventeen and seven overall, fourteen and five in conference. One conference game up. They've got Washington College at home on. Uh, Saturday to wrap things up. Then they get into conference play on the 24th. They'll take on Muhlenberg in the semifinals. Winner plays on the 25th in the championship games. All those games taking place at Haverford. When we come back, we will switch gears and go into the men's side of things. We've got two regions to cover still, um, and we'll figure out what we're doing when we get through the break. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Don't forget the Hoopsville mailbag coming up and more on the Hoopsville fundraiser. Uh, back with more Hoopsville. Right after this. Educate your student body, faculty, staff, and local community on how to prevent sexual assault and how to support survivors. To recognize that non-consensual sex is sexual assault. To identify situations in which sexual assault may occur. To intervene in situations where consent has not or cannot be given. To create an environment in which sexual assault is unacceptable and survivors are supported. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. And hey, welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this Thursday show. Don't forget, Hoopsville mailbag coming up. If you've got questions for us, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. We've got a couple questions ready to go, but the mailbag can always be stuffed. So send them our way by emailing us. Also tweet us questions at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. And uh, Facebook Live. We're trying to keep track of questions that might come in on Facebook Live and or YouTube. Um, so if you've got questions, send them our way. Switching into men's basketball now. Uh, talk about one of those teams that uh, has gotten, you know, certainly – 
has had a good season, uh, playing pretty darn well, but a big game coming up this weekend. It doesn't matter what the records are. It does not matter how teams are playing. It doesn't matter at all. It doesn't even matter if you're the home team in the grand scheme of things. When Hope and Calvin get together, the rivalry can go in any way, shape, or form. Last time these two teams faced off, Calvin lost by uh, 20 at home. This time it's going to be at Hope. And it will close out the regular season. For Hope in the standings, they sit first place. They've clinched first place. They're set and ready to go to host the uh, MIA championships uh, at Hope on the men's side. Calvin is sitting second and would like to stay second if they can. Trine is nipping at their heels a game back. So this game's got some things on the line for Calvin. We're not talking to Calvin. We're talking to Hope. The men's basketball team, also number two in the regional rankings, have a lot to still play for despite having wrapped up the regular season title in the MIAA. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, sponsored by the City of Salem, is the head coach of Hope. And that is Greg Mitchell. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Hey, Dave. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate being here. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, first and foremost, we've got the rivalry game coming up. And whether you guys are over of the season – which is impossible if you've played each other already once, but or or you're both you know have one undefeated or one lost seasons. It doesn't matter. This game's huge. This game has a lot on the line, and for Calvin, they're still trying to play for something. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think your just your description of the rivalry and uh, all that goes into it was spot on. Uh, I, I couldn't echo it any better. And it's it's a big one for us. It's a big one for them. And uh, yeah, we were fortunate enough to to get them at their place, as you mentioned, and by a decent margin. But that means absolutely nothing going into uh, to Saturday's game. We know that we're going to see an incredible effort, inspired effort um, from them, and hopefully we're we're bringing the same heat. Uh, yeah, and it's just it, it's a classic environment, and for you know people who haven't had a chance to experience it, it um, it's special, and it's a privilege just to be a part of it as a coach. I mean, let's let's also point out the fact that they would love to keep you from having an undefeated season in the conference. Uh, so we'll add that mixture in. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing against the way you guys have been playing, but the Kalamazoo game was probably a little bit closer. So maybe Calvin's mm-hmm. thinking we've got a chance. Um, again, Calvin's trying to stay in second. In the I mean, there's we can start adding in all kinds of different variables to this to change the equation. And again, mm-hmm. being at home isn't that big a deal. So as much as the guys know this game's coming, and geez, everybody knows you play twice, and this is old hat. How much do you also have to kind of remind the guys, A, what's at stake, and B, remind them not to get ahead of themselves or get too wrapped up in it? Yeah, I think it's a great question. It's a conversation we, we had today, uh, pregame huddle. We're, we're talking about you know, how we've set ourselves up for a, a great situation, uh, but we can look no further than Saturday. And, and you know, we had great respect for Kalamazoo last night, and uh, we, we struggled a little bit. Um, we, get, you know, we get everybody's best effort, especially when they come to our building, and playing in front of a pretty significant crowd. Um, so we're kind of used to that. And, and we just know, uh, you know as you mentioned, um, none of this, you know, it's kind of all fodder, right? You talk about what happened earlier in the, in the season or last year or historical. It just truly does not matter. Those 40 minutes are, are magical, and you'll see some guys step up and, and rise to the occasion, and, and sometimes guys crumble because it's a, there's a lot of pressure that means a lot to the fan bases. Um so you just got to go out and play, and you got to keep your focus on on the task at hand. And and we talked to our guys about trying to focus small instead of focusing big, and and control what you can control because the game can get the most of of some players and uh, and and coaches, I guess. So 
um, our, our our focus is myopic and uh, on those forty minutes. That's for sure. When you when you you take into the fact that you know it's not that long ago that the Hope women were going into the end of the season undefeated. Calvin mm-hmm. goes and plays them in the rivalry game last year, and the rare occasion that both Hope and Calvin, men and women, were playing on the same day at the same place. Do you, can you use that kind of thing to go, hey, remember what happened to the women's team last year? Or, hey, do you remember when we did this? Or whatever those cases, can you mm-hmm. use that? And can they relate to that? Or is this game, because they're so used to it, they understand what's going on, and, and really adding any more to it's just you know not worth the, the hassle? Well, I, I mean, that's a great question. And I, and I think you can. I mean, I, I think if you have a mature team that, they can handle information and, and history. You know, Coach Davilar, uh, one of my assistants, has has been at Hope for a long time and, and seen more of these than any of us. <laughs> and uh, he, he made the simple point of, hey, things went very well for us at their place. And, you know, we were we were told how well we played by our fan base. And I'm sure they were told, you know, maybe by their fan base or, or whomever that, hey, they didn't give a very great effort. And uh, they're going to be really inspired to, kind of rectify that i guess and you, you got to pay attention to that because history dictates that you know the previous game makes no difference as, as you mentioned and you know you can win two during the regular season and then all of a sudden lose in the conference tournament um just because the rivalry kind of wipes away the slate and uh nothing really truly matters but but that day so i think you got to talk about that stuff if not i think you're you're ignorant and, and you're not paying attention to to trends and, and what has happened in the past you got to learn from it um, and that's, it's a great question, and we, we definitely uh, brought that to their attention. When you, I mean, this is what, your fourth year in the rivalry? Mike, do I have your, your years this, right? This is my third year at Hope. Third okay, year third year coach. at Hope. Yes, sir. So, you know, this is, you know, rivalry game number six. So you're still kind of learning the ropes a little bit, as it mm-hmm. were. I mean, even some of the players have been in a few more games. Do you do you lean on them sometimes in these cases? Yeah, I mean, you know, I obviously played at Hope, and you stay in touch. You know, as a high school coach, I would come back to the rivalry game or, or certainly watch it on TV. And, and, I, and I mean, I rely on my staff as much as anybody, you know, the players. I, I think especially our guys right now, we've got six seniors, and, and they're, they're mature, they're focused, they're dialed in, and I think that's indicative of the kind of season we're having. Um, I think you rely on all of it. I mean, you never think you have it all figured out anyway, and I think you know, we, we do things by committee. And I definitely rely on, on our staff and, and yeah, the players as well, um, because it's, it's, it's a big deal. And uh, that being said, you know, like football comes down to blocking and tackling, ours is going to come down to making shots and defending and rebounding. And so we got We just we try to do our best to you know, block out the outside noise as best we can and focus on uh, what's going on, on the floor. How much can you rely on the seniors? It seems like the seniors are, are, are certainly having a, a major impact on this year's squad. We'll talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that in a minute. But how much can you rely on the seniors in games like this? Well, I think you rely a bunch. Uh, as you mentioned, they have the experience. They've been out there. Um, you know, The longer you play in the rivalry, the, the greater chance you have to kind of sift through the, the excitement, the, uh, the stuff that can sidetrack you. And now you can focus on what's really going to make a difference. And I think with this group, um, you know, especially it's a mature group. It's a, it's a, it's a group that relies on um, just kind of the we approach rather than the individual. And that helps us. Uh, so I think the more experience they have going into it, uh, the more mature they are and uh, the more they rely on the collective group, the better. Um, and I think, again, they realize when it gets down to it, you have to make plays. And they also understand that, 
we're just going to see an absolute uh, inspired effort by our opponents, and you got to be ready for that. So um, having that maturity is, I think, it, it's key. Where is it easier to play this game? Is it easier to be playing it at home, or is it easier to be playing it on the road? That's such a great question. Um, it's almost a loaded question because <laughs> we all, well, I say that because if you look at our scores and anybody that has paid attention to us this year, we actually have been playing really well on the road. Um, haven't lost a, a true road game. It's the, our losses have been at home or a neutral site. And, um, and we played well at Calvin this year. And, uh, you know, last night we kind of struggled to, to, uh, to finish our game. And, um, so, you know, I, obviously we per, prefer to play at home, especially in this game, because there's so much electricity in the building. Um, but that being said, I'm going to go back to the senior piece. You know, we have a mature team that has really thrived on playing on the road. So for me, I, I don't care where we play. I'm thrilled that we're playing in the DeVos Fieldhouse because I know we'll have, you know, 3,700 of the 3,900 uh, will be in orange and blue, and that's that's a good feeling. Yeah. So, it's, uh, we're excited. It's going to be an interesting crowd. I, I wish I could get to the game. There were thoughts and hopes and plans that I could do it, but it fell through. But um, it's certainly going to be a, a big game. The women are going to have a big game as well against Trine, mm-hmm. which will, will add to the mixture. Uh, you know, It's not that Hope Calvin back-to-back, which would, would, would blow the building apart, um, <laughs> but, but Trine certainly will add to the mixture. Uh, before we move on to your team, I did get a question from a – from a listener says, ask him about the throwback game at Olivet. <laughs> well, what can I tell you about it? It was, uh, first of all, it was awesome. You know, we, we kind of wondered at first, you know, what's going on. Uh, <laughs> and uh, just no knock to anything it was just kind of interesting. What's, what's the throwback all about, you know? But that being said, I thought Coach Ernst put together a pretty neat environment. And, um, you know, what it did was uh, their newer facility is, you know, a few blocks away from campus. So it made it very, very easy for their student base to attend. And, you know, they were certainly fired up for hope to come in. And so what it ended up feeling like, and we talked about with our guys, it was, had a lot, uh, it had a big Friday night high school rivalry feel that they are all used to. And the place was packed, Uh, you know, DJ in the corner playing retro hits and warm ups. And (laughs) of course I'm loving that because that's right in my, in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, But so the pulse of the, of the gym was great. And all of that, played really really well shot the ball well and, and we did as well uh, i was it was kind of one of those games it was the first one to 95 was going to win this sucker yeah and uh we loved it i mean it, it ended up being something again that i think our guys really really thrived on and and um you know good for all of that uh it was just good for division three basketball i'll be honest with you talking to greg mitchell head coach of hope the number 16th ranked team in the country second in the regional rankings last week let's talk a little bit about your team specifically uh we mentioned kind of senior laden this is a a senior squad who's who's been through it a little bit uh harrison blackledge it pretty much starts and stops with him 20 points a game uh five and a half six rebounds a game really two assists a game steal a game on top of that uh shoots about 57 percent from the floor 39 percent from beyond the arc and 78 percent from the free throw line he needs <laughs> Uh, let's see, 18th in Hope history. He needs 10 more points to pass his former teammate, Bed Gardner, for 17th. It, it really seems to start and end with him, and, and honestly, we're not giving everybody else attention. We will in a moment, but Blackledge has been a really important part of this program for a number of years. Well, he has, and you know, I was blessed to come in uh, his sophomore year, and um, that's really when, when Harrison kind of blew up. Um, you know, we, we expanded his game, um, uh, kind of allowed him to stretch the floor and, and shoot from, from the arc, uh, which you know, just added to his versatility. 
And, uh, yeah, it's been a blessing to coach him. And as good as he is statistically, and, and you mentioned, you know, he is obviously our leader in, in most categories. Um, you know, he's a far better individual and, and person and student um, than he is a player. And that, that says a lot. And that's not just coach speak. I mean, he, he's humble to a fault. Um, you know, comes from a great athletic family that, that has sport and life in perspective. Um, and so he's been a joy to coach. And I think when you have that kind of a guy leading the way, um, it just, you know, our guys look to him for his leadership and, and his moxie and savvy. And, and then, you know, off the court, the way he treats people. So, you know, that's the kind of guy you want as an ambassador. Um, he represents Hope very, very well. He's a phenomenal athlete. And uh, I'm just, you know, thrilled he's, uh, he's on our roster and, and leading the way. So it does. It, it starts with H. And uh, he's really delivered in the clutch this year. To show the example of how much the senior squad's making a difference, the rest of the scoring leaders, next is a junior, and Dante Hawkins, 16 points a game, four rebounds a game, four and a half assists a game. Um, then it's a senior, Chad Carlson, 11 and a half, almost 12 points a game. Um, Cody, uh, I never say Cody's it's last name. Stivey. Right? Stivey. It is Stivey, yeah. yeah I always Stivey. try to rem- ignore the U. <laughs> Ten and a half yep. points a game for him, six rebounds a game for him. Um, and then another one contributing, Mitchell O'Brien, another senior, five and a half points mm-hmm. a game. And, and you still have a handful more seniors uh, that we haven't mentioned. As a result, does this does this season feel like you have to take advantage of it now that when you lose this senior class, nothing against Hawkins and nothing against Ray or anybody else, but this the, you're going to have to retool a little bit? Oh, I think so. I mean, when you have when you have guys logging these minutes and, and statistically doing what they're doing, and it's a credit to them. I mean, you know, uh, Cody, for example, Stibe has worked very hard, and um, at Hope, you know, it's a, a tradition of uh, of depth and athletic, you know, deep kind of uh, athletic rooted guys, and sometimes they don't get that chance to pay off until their junior or senior year, and that's kind of what's happened with Cody and and Chad has done a great job, uh, kind of, you know adding to, to his game. That being said, I think when you have this many seniors that are this productive, yeah, we, we feel like it's, it's a great opportunity for our guys to, to make a run. Um, I have great belief in, in our bench and our guys coming up too. Especially, you know, I, I pulled uh, you know, one of our uh, post players aside after practice, day, Robert McGivney, who's you know, uh, uh, just nobody really knows about him right now. We had a great chat today about you know, his game. It just evolved nicely because of the leadership in our program and the guys that have kind of carried him along and I, you know, he's going to do a great job for us next year. So uh, I believe in our depth, but right now it is definitely a, a senior team and we, yeah, we want to take full advantage of, of these guys and the opportunity that's, uh, that's at hand. Mention the regional rankings. You're second, you're in a good spot here, but you know how these things can change. Of course, the women are sitting third. There's a lot on the line here. You, you don't want to necessarily stub your toe you know, if you lose to Calvin, certainly you don't lose the MIA regular season. You don't lose home court advantage. Um, but if you lose to Calvin or, or if you happen to take a loss in, in the tournament, you could cost yourself the chance. We certainly don't know, mm-hmm. but you could cost yourself the chance of hosting. Do you even bring that up with the team to emphasize if you want to come through this building, you know, any longer? Mm-hmm. We we got ex- we still got work to do. The rivalry is one thing and the tournament's another, mm-hmm. but we still have work to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if we, we look no further than last year, I yeah. mean, we were in a, in, a, in a great position and, you know, nationally in the top 10 most of the year. And we lose in the semifinal of our conference tournament and we were holding on for dear life to get a bid 
first of all, and let alone hosting. And so, and, and lo and behold, we go, uh, we get shipped out to Augustana, which is obviously a, a tough draw. But you know what? That's what we deserve because we didn't take care of business. So uh, we're not looking too far ahead, to be honest with you, but we make that parallel, that, that you know, uh, Saturday's game has a lot on the line. And, and that's and Wednesday's game last night had a lot on the line for those simple reasons. So uh, I think you have to talk about that stuff. Otherwise, you're fooling yourself. And, um, yeah, it's, it's real. It's not just fodder. It's not uh, make-believe. These, everything matters, and we truly uh, talk about it and respect it. You've won 13 in a row, certainly playing strong now. But you know, you look at the first half of the season; it was rather interesting. You lost to Cornerstone, obviously non-division three. Um, mm-hmm. Then lost to Stevens Point, 74-72. And granted, Stevens Point's got a really great defense, um, but that one certainly caught everybody off guard. Then you lost to Williams in overtime in Alliance, Ohio, and then you lost to Wilkes the next day by two. Was was have you? Uh, I'm trying to figure out which, which way to go with that one. The first question is: Was it was it the team just off in the first half, or have you guys made adjustments? And and a lot of what you went through the first half has fed into this 13 game winning streak. Yeah, it's a great question, a fair question. You know, it was a tough non conference schedule. I'll be honest with yeah. you. Um, you know, we had a great win against uh, River Falls and 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 you know Stout in that opening weekend. Um, you know, we knew it was going to be a grind. Uh, those were both on the road. And, you know, uh, I, I think, you know, just yeah, you mentioned Stevens Point. Um, if anybody was at that game, it was a great game. And it, it came down, you know, we, we tie it with five seconds to go, and they hit a buzzer beater. As you know, defensively, they're hard to score on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that one was a tough one. I think, you know, Williams, great length, great athleticism, uh, phenomenal overtime game. We just fell short. I think the, the Wilkes game was the one for us that we just underperformed uh, no, no disparagement towards Wilkes because hey, they beat us and they, they played harder. Yeah. Um, but that game, that one was, you know, if you talk about a loss that maybe had a little sting to it, that one definitely did. Um, but you know, I, you learn from those. I mean, we, we had a tough schedule, uh, I think for the right reason be, to prepare ourselves for what we can control, which is our, our league race. Um, and I, and I liked it. I liked, you know, and, and if you look at cornerstone, number one ranked team in NAIA and, uh, they're going to have the player of the year and the, maybe the all-time score in, in NAI history with Kyle Stegenga. And so those are, for us, those are, we love it. Um, and you don't want to lose them, but you want to play them and learn something about yourselves. And, and I think, as you alluded to, that certainly uh, helped us for our MIAA season. Uh, any, any team understands when you go into your conference season, uh, we all know each other. You know, we, they, we over-scout each other, so every, there are no secrets. So you've got to yeah. be tough. And, and ready to go for a grind, and it is a grind. Um, and so far, it's, it's gone well. And I think our, our non-conference record in games uh, it helped us. It certainly prepared us for that. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us to talk about not only the rivalry, but obviously what's ahead for you guys. Obviously, you certainly want to win the conference tournament uh, and just make this easy for everybody uh, and host. But as you said, mm-hmm. and there's as we all know, there's a lot ahead that could change things. But I certainly wish you, the team well. Wish you well in the rivalry as well. Um, we always leave uh, the guest with a final um, word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, first of all, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about Hope and Hope Basketball. So it's an honor to be on the show. Uh, and, and yeah, just uh, you know, for people that, are, that don't know much about the rivalry, I invite you to tune in. It's, it's, I think it's covered nationally on satellite TV. It's, it's, a, special, it's a special game. We have great respect for Calvin. We know we're going to see a, a great effort from them. 
and uh, just excited for our guys to be on that stage and platform and, and, and be in that situation to play for something that, uh, that really matters. So it's, it's a great opportunity and a great privilege. Well put. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us, um, and we'll look forward to touching base with you later, later on maybe this season, but certainly in the future as well. Sounds great, Dave. Thank you very much. Take care. Greg yep, Mitchell joining us from Hope on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Um, just a note, it is obviously on local television up there. It's also going to be on World Harvest Television, DirecTV Channel 367. So if you have DirecTV, you can watch the rivalry, Hope versus Calvin from Hope. You can also watch it online. Don't forget, you can do that as well. But there is countless television, video streaming, and and network coverage of this one. couple notes, Alan Babbitt, a terrific SID Gave me a couple notes. I just missed. Oh, here it is. Misplaced a couple. Here we are. So we mentioned Blackledge. He's also on the verge of becoming the uh, Flying Dutchman's 17th 500-point score in a single season. He's 12 points away from that. Chad Carlson is five three-pointers made away from being the all-time uh, career three-point shooter at Hope. He has 177 so far. Uh, don't forget, Greg Mitchell also coached this team. He's now 72 and 20, or 74 and 27. Um, when he was a player and he was 62 and 17 as a coach. Not too bad a career at all. When we come back, we'll go up to the East, talk St. John Fisher. Rob Corniker will join us to talk about his team and their upcoming road trip to Stevens and Hartwick. They finished with a little bit of a challenge. Can they keep their heads above water, as it were, to be able to stay in the NCAA tournament discussion? You listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops so when we return. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. Our obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are enjoying our Thursday edition show. If you've got any questions for us, you know how to get a hold of us. It's all at the bottom of the screen, but we'll mention it anyway. You can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. That's how you can get a, uh, a question into the Hoopsville mailbag segment. If you want to tweet us, at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. You can also um, send us a, a note on Facebook Live. We are trying to monitor that. Uh, there is a YouTube chat room. We try and monitor that, but be be, be advised that sometimes it takes us a little moment to run through all of it. It is just us here, obviously, on the show, but we will try and get to your questions as soon as we can. Don't forget about the Hoopsville fundraising campaign as well. We have less than two weeks remaining on that campaign as it stands now, and we're only about 10% of the way to our goal. 
Um, so we have a long way to go, and any help you can provide is certainly going to make a big difference. So tell your friends even and tell, your, uh, tell anybody else out there who loves Division Three basketball. Help us uh, continue to do the show and promote Division Three athletics. Uh, going to shift into the East region here, and uh, the East region's fascinating. We mentioned on our special yesterday after the regional rankings came out that it's that it's an interesting region this year. That that how it breaks down uh, is anybody's guess. You know, you could see uh, teams selected maybe as down as far as five. You could also see them cutting things off around three. Obviously, it depends a lot on who gets at large bids outside of the region, or I should say, gets automatic qualifiers and leaves at large bids. So we're we're never really sure what's going on. Well, one team that's certainly playing well, but finds themselves a little bit in that odd spot on the regional rankings is St. John Fisher, eighteen and five overall, thirteen and one in conference. They've already wrapped up the regular season, looking to win the AQ in the conference tournament when things get going next week. Um, but of course, for the Cardinals, at the same time, they've won twelve of their last thirteen. They're playing their best basketball when they really need to. So we'll figure out what's going on with the Cardinals. Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline is Rob Corniker. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. Uh, as we said, 13-8 and eight here. 18-5, um, uh, I'm sorry, 13-1 and one in conference. Um, certainly playing well in a conference that I think a lot of people had questions about at the beginning of the season, and we've had a lot of uh, up and downs in there. Hartwick's played well. Utica has come on as of late. Nazareth is playing well, and so is Stevens. How, how have you felt you guys have done this season? Yeah, I mean, we've won a, a bunch of close games. So, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. You look at it, and I look back at a few games, and, it, and, and they could have gone either way. So we were pretty fortunate to pull those out. And, you know, I, I think our conference, you know, we, we get criticized a lot. Um, it, it might not be as good as it has been in the past, but the one thing that it is, it's pretty competitive, yeah. you know. I think all those teams that you mentioned, you know, it's, it's going to be, in a sense, we're going to get to this conference tournament. And I, even though we've wrapped it up in that, I don't think people are going to look at us and, and say, you know, they're a shoo-in to win two games. So um, it's kind of matchups sometimes. You know, Alfred, who probably won't make it into the conference tournament, mm -hmm. you know, we had to beat them at the buzzer at their, their place, and they played us tough a week or two ago, and, and I think the matchups, you know, they're long and they're strong, and, and they match up well with us. So, um, But I, I like, obviously, playing at home is, is huge, and uh, I, I think we have one of the best players in the conference in Keegan Ryan, and he's playing at a pretty high level right now. So um, we're pretty fortunate to be where we're at. You know, one of the teams that used to certainly be at the top of this conversation, Ithaca, is near the bottom, but that's allowed some of these others to return to the top, as I mentioned, Nazareth has returned there. We have a great around the region article on them and their and their guard. Uh, Utica's on this great run near the end, though. I mean, they haven't won a ton of games, but they've gotten into the mix to, to be currently sitting fourth. And Hartwick with a new head coach at fifteen and eight, eight and six. So, do you almost feel like maybe you guys have had a few bounces go your way to be at this point three games up on the rest of the conference, having wrapped up the regular season before the final weekend? Yeah, I mean. There, there, there's a couple games, you know, Utica down there, you know, Sean, Sean was with me for the last five years. Yeah. He's done an unbelievable job down there um, to be, I mean, I, I think they started out 0, 0 and 11 yeah. and for them to be in a position here to, to be in a, yeah, they could be a two seed when it's all said and done, you know, and win 10 games in the conference. So um, I knew it was only a matter of time before he figured it out. And, uh, 
you know, Naz, those two guards are really, really good. I mean, nationally good. I mean, we, we beat them in double overtime, and it was a great game. But the, the guard that you didn't even write the article on, he's the one who had yeah. 48 against us. Right. Um, and Tyler Stangline is tremendous, too. So, you know, I think it's just maybe a depth thing. You know, we get compared to the Sunyak quite a bit. And, uh, you know, I, I think we can play with those guys. But if you look, look at, you know, we've played Cortland, we played them tough, we lost, we played Oneana and beat them. Um, if you just look at their, their teams, they just might have a little bit more depth, I think, across, across the board. They might have eight, nine players that are really, really good as opposed to some of the teams in our league. You know, maybe we only have five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking to Coach Gornicker here, and we'll talk more about his team in just a minute, but obviously looking at the regional rankings, which came out on Wednesday, Gives us a little more of a sense of where the committees are thinking. You guys sit fifth right now with a decent SOS uh, this season, uh, but you're behind two Suniacs in Oswego and Brockport. You're behind St. Lawrence, um, uh, and obviously everyone's trailing Rochester at this point. Are you nervous? Do you feel – I mean, obviously every coach just wants to take care of business, go out and win the automatic qualifier, yeah. and this is irrelevant. But are you nervous to some degree that you guys have no wiggle room, or do you think you might be in an okay position sitting where you are right now? You know – Honestly, Dave, I wouldn't even have looked at those rankings unless I was getting on this call for you. And, that, and that's the God's honest truth. You knew the um, call, question was coming then. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I knew we were going to talk about it. I wouldn't have looked at it. I didn't last week. Um, it's not, I, I, I've served on those committees, yeah. and I know kind of how they work. Um, and it's not anything that I can control or, or my guys can control. So... You know, we've said all along that you hope, you know, an over or a tip in at the buzzer against Penn State Barron doesn't keep us out of the, out of the, you know, or playing well down in, in Worcester. You know, the one thing that I, you know, we finished up 21 and five last year and lost in the conference finals. Our SOS was around 520. From what everyone tells me, we weren't even in the conversation last year. You know, there were a ton of upsets. It was a weird year. The Nescax got four teams in. Um, we went out, we went to Worcester and played. We played Penn State Barron, teams that I knew were going to be really good. Our, all of our non-conference games, mm-hmm. every one of them has a winning record, except I think for Colby Sawyer. And, you know, I, I thought they were going to be good. That's why we played them in the first round of our tournament. You know, we picked a team, you know, that I thought was going to be really good. So we just want to play good teams and, and do the best we can and then let it, you know, come out. We're going to end up with what a 540 strength schedule. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's going to go up after this weekend because we're going to go down and play Hartwick and Stevens, two really good teams. Um, that'll be tough games for us to win on the road. So, honestly, I, I just got off the phone with Rob Schoner. We were talking about this because he was at, <laughs> at SUNY Poly and he was asking me questions about it. Mm-hmm. And I said, and I go, it's funny. I go, I got to talk with Dave McHugh here in a second. I know he's going to talk to me about that. And I just said, Rob, you know. You just got to go out and win games. Yeah. Um, we're probably, I look at it as we've become a one-bid league, unfortunately. Yeah. We were always a two-bid, two-bid league in years past, but you know how things change, demographics change, um, those kinds of things. So you, know, you did say it. Just take care of business, try and win games, and, and playing at home for the conference tournament you know, is, was one of our goals, and we accomplished that. So yeah. um, I, I 
it's you know it's just something I can't control, I guess. Well, and obviously, uh, again, you got this the the regular season wrapped up, so you will be at home. The, what I find really interesting was the beginning of your season. You talked about going out there and certainly. Uh, improving the SOS, which you guys is, have clearly done. Um, but you didn't play a lot of games early on. You played uh, six games before you took basically a, a break for the for the exams. And then you played seven before the holiday break. You were done December 17th with just 17 games in your pocket, uh, or seven games in your pocket, uh, and had to play a majority of your season afterward. Now, granted, that was because of conference schedule, and I realize that, but it also just makes for a little bit of a weird balance there. It, w- is it one of those where you hope the team isn't maybe tiring out now because you played a vast majority of your games kind of accordioned into two months? Um, or is maybe the beginning being a little bit lighter going to help them here? Well, our league, because of that odd team now, yeah. I mean, we've had some weeks where we're playing Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Yeah. Where or Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, you know, we had this this game we played last night against Elmira was a uh, makeup game right. because of some snow, and now we're going Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. There's just no time this second semester to squeeze in um, a non-league game, yeah. and we've hosted this turn. You know, I, it's something we probably have to look at. You're right, and you know how it is. We our starting point guard. He rolled his ankle against Stevens the first time out. He really hasn't played since then. And, you know, we were lucky enough to to be still winning games without him. But just like you said, all of a sudden he misses three weeks, and now he misses nine or ten games. Um, I would hope that our league, you know, we got to figure something out. I think we probably need to play a couple games in the first semester to kind of balance things out so that, we're at least not playing three games every week, or we can fit in a, uh, you know, a non-league game in the second semester and kind of balance that schedule out a little bit better. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was kind of stealing my next question. My next question was, would you be in favor? And I realize there's challenges to this, but some people are like, oh my gosh, you only play conference games in the second half. And I don't think that's perfect. I certainly don't want to see conference games the second week of the season. But do you feel like maybe we, we've got to – I mean, you also played December 29th and December 30th, two conference games, which, you know, for a year I've been saying is probably the most cra- – the craziest thing I've heard of. How many games do you think you, you want to move into, let's say, December? Is it just two to kind of find a relief valve? Is it maybe four? I think we need to at least have two games. Um and everyone could have a bye weekend. You know, if yeah. I knew when my bye weekend was going to be in the second semester, of course I could go out and say, "Hey, we're going to play. We're going to play someone really good that Saturday yeah. that we have a bye weekend, and we, we're, we'll be able to go on the road, you know, to play someone good. That, those kinds of things. But I would hope two games. You know, Ithaca's leaving our conference, yeah. and we're bringing in Sage. Um, I, like, I don't get to make those decisions. It's way above <laughs> my pay grade, um, but. Man, you know, eight teams or ten teams or something, so that we could go back to having travel partners and then play Friday, Saturday, and then play, you know, your travel partner on a on a Tuesday or something like that. But it, it's like I said, you know, I used to be on that committee. We had a committee of coaches that would make up the schedule with an odd number, and we'd try and balance it, you know, and make sure nobody was playing back-to-back set mm-hmm. or had to play a back-to-back that people were sitting. It's not easy. I'm, I'm going to be the first person to admit, you know, we worked at it pretty hard. But now, you know, those schedules are thrown at us. People vote on it, and then it gets passed. 
So it could be like I hated our schedule this year. I yeah. thought I thought we were really disadvantaged at times. I, I thought. You know, this Wednesday, Friday, this Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, when someone doesn't play on a Thursday and they've got the whole week to prepare for you on a Saturday and we've got one day, those are difficult. And and they're really hard to balance. So I just want to go to a balanced schedule, and that would mean you're right, playing two. Maybe maybe you play a weekend game and then you play a travel partner in the first Uh semester. And, you know, it's just something – it's just got to be fair and balanced. And and listen – I don't, I don't have the answers. I don't want to be the guy that has to make it up. I just want to be the guy that says, "Hey, I like it." Sure. Um, well, and speaking of, you've got the hardest trip about in this conference coming up. Just in the fact that you've got to go to Stevens this weekend and then turn around the next day and basically come about halfway or maybe a third of the way home to play Hartwick. Uh, this is a long haul for you guys. Granted, you've wrapped things up, but considering where you sit, Pool C and stuff, you can't let off the gas pedal right now. No, people are asking me that question after the game last night. Oh, you wrapped it up. Will you play differently? Like, no, we have to win. Yeah. You know, I, I think the pressure's still on. There's no doubt. And, uh, I mean, you got to rack up as many wins as you can. Your strength schedule has to be high. No, we, we, we're playing it the same way. No matter what happens this weekend, we won't play another game until the following Friday. So, you know, we'll have a week to prepare for the conference tournament at home. But, uh yeah, this is that. That's why our, that's why our record and our and our and our record in uh, in the league is a little bit skewed because we haven't taken this trip like everybody else has. Yeah. This is, and, and and that's a perfect segue into what you asked me before or what we were talking about before about balance of schedule. Like those guys, because they're they're kind of the outliers, they get to play that Friday and Saturday when school's in session. While the rest of us are maybe playing Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and then like this is really our only back-to-back game, Friday, Saturday is when we go down there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and and I know it's tough for Stevens because they got to make this trip all the time, you know, Friday, Saturday. So um, it's not easy. And we're actually leaving. We're getting on a bus here later on this afternoon, because we play Stevens. We're heading in a day early. We'll get a chance to shoot around. Um, get away from home, so uh, they're really good at home. Yeah, so forgot. it'll be a it, yeah, it'll be a tough game. Yeah, I forgot to mention we're talking to Coach Corniker uh, earlier in the day um, as they are getting ready to hit the road for this weekend's trip. Let's talk about your team before we let you go. Uh, five seniors on it. Uh, the most um, obvious senior, I think, for everybody, maybe for the rest of the league. Glad he's a senior. Is Ryan Keegan um, or Keegan Ryan? I apologize. Uh, Eighteen and a half points a game, nine rebounds a game. Uh, shoots 60% from the floor. Uh, he's a good free throw shooter on top of that. Uh, hands out about an assisted game as well. Obviously, he has been a key to this squad for four years, and I suspect he's got a little bit of fire in him to finish this off. Yeah, you know, Keegan's been great this year. He's actually played hurt, too. He's got a bone spur on his ankle. Ooh. Yeah, which is, you know, he's played in some pain and, um, it's it's affected him. It's affected his lift a little bit, and uh, but we couldn't have been you know we couldn't be happier with the way he's played. He's a load, and it forces us to play a specific way. You know he's got to get touches. Teams have to double him. They have to account for him. And uh, no, I've I've been really happy with Keegan. He played great last night. He had 33 and he didn't have a ton of rebounds, um, five rebounds, but um, he was 11-11 from the free throw line. Just kind of carried us. So, 
you know, we're going to miss him. There's no doubt. He's going to go down in history as one of the all-time leading scorers. He's probably going to be the all-time leading rebounder here mm-hmm. in the next few games. Um, I don't want to jinx him. But uh, <laughs> what can I say? You know, he's really the only senior that has made an impact. Um, we were hoping, you know, Zach Ottaway was going to yeah. was going to be one of those guys. But Zach, he broke his foot early in the year. He came back. Um you know, my heart goes out to him because he, you know, his his mom passed away uh, around the holiday time, and you know he he deserved much better for his senior year. And then when he came back, he started getting back into the rotation, and then goes up and has a nice putback, rolls his ankle, oh. and he's out. He's pretty much he might come back and dress the last couple of games, but it's going to be really hard for him yeah. to make an impact. But um, you know, he deserved much better, and he is a great kid. So those two guys have been big, you know, players for us. Not not sure. just people, but, you know, they've been players for us, And uh, but they're better people. So we'll miss the both of them. And, like, you know, some of the other guys that haven't made huge impacts on the floor have made huge, huge impacts in the uh, – in the locker room, Danny Volman has already got a commission into the Marine Corps. He did his boot camp. Yeah, so um, Joe Marchione is a accounting major, and he uh, um, he's had a job, you know, lined up after his junior year um, back home in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, and then Michael D'Amico, who really hadn't played for a long time and has been a student at Fisher. I mean, he was our starting point guard for 13 games, and yeah. he rolled his ankle. So. We're hoping to get him back at least 100% by the conference tournament. But those guys have made a great impact on our program, and you know we're going to miss them all. What's also interesting is you t- you're kind of kind of retool uh, after this because the you know the next four uh, five guys on your roster in terms of scoring are under all underclassmen. They're sophomores or juniors. Tyler English, Alex Salsville, Jake Height, uh, Ryan Henderson. You know, all guys who are scoring eight plus points a game for English, it's over twelve points a game. Uh, English also five rebounds, height five and a half rebounds. So yeah, you're going to lose some key cogs, especially in, in Ryan. But you're going to bring back a lot of talent who's getting a lot of experience this season. Yeah, you know, people. It's funny. People ask that question. I, I think we have a chance to be really, really good next year as well. Um, we'll play differently. You know, we'll play maybe a little bit more up and down. We'll ball screen a lot more. Hmm. We'll shoot. We'll shoot more threes. You know, we'll be able to put five guys on the floor that can make perimeter shots. Um, I'm not looking forward to it already. You know, I'm to finish <laughs> this year. You know, but I, I think uh, you know our freshmen are really good too. Sammy Robinson, mm-hmm. Dennis Hare. Um, those are two guys that have played a lot for us. Sammy is super, super talented. I mean, he's a kid. He's six five, six six, and he can stretch the floor. Um, he shoots threes. Um, we just had a mid-year transfer that kind of came home from a Division three school, Alex Dosh, who I think has a chance to be really, really good. He's six six, six seven, and can shoot the three. So, you know how it is. I mean, it, it's it's certainly about this year. It's certainly yeah. about about finishing it out, but it's a program too. So. Yeah. You know, we're recruiting, and, and we want to be good every year. So it's just a matter of uh, playing to your strengths and playing sure. to our talents. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the season so far. Obviously, a lot of work to still go uh, ahead of you uh, and, and hitting the road as we speak. 
uh, to to try and finish off the season in style against Stevenson and Hartwick or Stevens and Hartwick, and then obviously take on everybody back at your place, which is certainly an advantage. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts we can you want to share with those who may be tuning in? No. You know what, Dave? I I think I do want to give a little shout out. I I, I meant to say this, and, and I don't want to get emotional in it, but you know we've kind of rallied around Zach Ottaway this year, and uh, I just want to give a shout out to his family. Um, they've been through a ton, and we had an emotional day, senior day last week. And uh, like I said, you know, there's a kid who really deserved, you know, a little bit better out of his mm-hmm. senior year. So. Um, we, you know, shout out to his his family um, back in PA, and uh, we're with them. That's it. Well said, Coach. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. Good luck to the team. Look forward to talking about the Cardinals. Hopefully, we're talking about you dancing into March. But nonetheless, we'll look forward to chatting about you on the next season as well. As always, really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Thank you, Coach. Rob Corniker joining us from St. John Fisher on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Don't forget City of Salem to the Division Three Men's Championship weekend for the 21st season. Uh, and of course, handing out the 20th championship trophy taking place in March. We'll be there with Hoopsville, but thanks to Coach Corniker for joining us. We met, didn't mention this earlier, over 300 wins. Uh, got that mark earlier this year. All of them at St. John Fisher. You know, take a break when we come back. More Hoopsville. That's how we do this. Since this was pre-taped, we don't even know the order just yet, but we have more guests coming. I can I can assure you that. You're watching Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. I'm a Division III student athlete. I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. At George Fox University, our promise is that every student will be known, personally, academically, and spiritually. To be known means professors and staff know you by name. It means you're valued, encouraged, and challenged. It means we'll listen to you and with you as you pursue God's call in your life. At George Fox University, you will never be a number. You will be known. Visit georgefox.edu to learn more. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Hello. My name is Dave McHugh, and I am the creator and host of a video podcast called Hoopsville. And this is our studio. Hoopsville is the only show of its kind. We focus on Division III basketball and are currently in the midst of our 14th season on the air. When we started in 2000, none of this existed. We were an audio-only show, reading scores, reacting to games and teams we really didn't understand or appreciate, but trying to give Division III basketball something. The show has grown years since. 
Eight years ago, we moved into this studio in my own home and continue to grow the show. The once-a-week show has become a twice-a-week show. It's now two hours minimum a show. With a 12-hour marathon program, NCAA tournament selection special, which usually lasts six hours, a bracket breakdown special that usually lasts a few more hours, and other specials throughout the season. And the show is now a must-watch in Division Three basketball. We also take this show on the road. We've been to 16 consecutive Division Three men's basketball Final Fours, along with a women's Final Four and both Division Three championship games at Division One sites. 2013 in Atlanta for the last season in Indianapolis for the women. The men's championship weekend coverage has expanded the last three years to live pregame and postgame coverage courtside for each of the semifinals and the championships, just as if we were a major television network courtside or on the field of a major championship. We also travel to schools and conferences, even doing the show live on location. Earlier this season, we were on the court at, at Roanoke College and their brand new facility right after the men's team had played a conference game. We've been able to do much of this thanks to contributions from people like yourself. Whether you're a fan of Division Three, have a son or daughter who plays or coaches in the division, maybe you're a Division Three program, you might be a coach yourself, or you simply appreciate our efforts to shine a light on a division and the student-athletes in it. Did you know Division Three is the largest division in the NCAA? There are 441 schools who play women's basketball, 426 who play men's, but they only get a small percentage of the media's attention. These student-athletes don't get athletic scholarships to play basketball. They play because they love the game and are good enough to play in college. Only 6% of high school athletes play any sport collegiately. Less than 4% play basketball on the collegiate level in any division. Majority of those choose Division III. They're passionate about covering these teams and shining a spotlight on their successes as well. This isn't our job, but we treat it like it is. We want to make the teams, coaches, student-athletes, fans, and even the schools themselves feel like someone cares about the effort they're putting in each day, even if the school isn't going to end up with a championship. So on each show, we interview coaches, student-athletes, regional reporters, and administrators about what is going on around the country and how our teams performing. From Maine to Washington State, from California to Georgia, not to mention from Minnesota to Texas, we cover every region, every conference, and try and talk to as many teams as possible but we can't do it without you. We consider our fundraising efforts to be very much like public television. This show is for you, and whatever you are able to donate allows us to keep doing the show. From upgrading, maintaining, or buying new equipment, to traveling to schools and regions to better cover the sport, to even paying the bills that accumulate for running this show. You know, the Internet is not cheap. So as a token of our appreciation, we will thank you publicly for your support, even send you a T-shirt or other Hoopsville swag. Maybe even interview a guest of your choosing or even yourself about why you love Division Three basketball so much. It's your choice. We appreciate your support. We value our fans as much as we do coaches and student athletes who are trying every day to do their best and compete. So please consider helping us cover Division Three basketball the way we believe it deserves to be covered. And don't forget to tune in to Hoopsville Thursday and Sunday nights starting at 7 p.m. Eastern or watch it on demand, or listen to the podcast. Because if you want to know about Division basketball, you've got to watch Hoopsville. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. 
It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. And welcome back to the everybody. Uh, wrapping up the show here, we'll have the Hoops Hill mailbag ahead to talk about the uh, fundraising efforts, etc. If you've got any last-second questions, you can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or tweet us at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. If you're listening on demand or listening to the podcasts, feel free to email us. We'll answer questions on Sunday's show. Don't forget Sunday on the air at 7 o'clock Eastern time. Um, talk primarily Northeast, Atlantic, uh, South and Central regions. Next Thursday, we'll begin be on the air at 7 o'clock Eastern time. And again, East, Mid-Atlantic, Great Lakes, and West. In 10 days, a week from Sunday, we'll be on the air, uh, extended broadcast, bringing you the uh, selections of teams. Also talking to programs who have made the NCAA tournament as automatic qualifiers and possibly teams who are sitting on the proverbial bubble. Um we are looking, we've we've normally started that show at 6, and we're on till 10 or 11. We're actually looking to maybe start it earlier. There's no reason for us to technically wait until the ODAC is done, for example. So we might start a little bit earlier. Going to discuss that this week, so stay tuned to uh, us on Twitter, on Facebook and Instagram to find out, and of course on d3.com, find out when we'll be on the air. Just heard about the fundraiser. The, the sad news is we're 9% of the way to our goal. Our goal is supposed to run out in 12 days, and we're nowhere close. Um, it's very likely that, that, that this has just run its course, and we appreciate that, and maybe we've learned our lesson. But we feel there's enough people out there that want to support Division Three basketball and, division, and our efforts to stay on the air to showcase Division Three basketball. This money doesn't go into our pockets, folks. This, this simply is a fundraising effort. We do this as volunteers anyway. Um, we don't make money on it anyway. Now, I may have seen it in the show. For the first time ever, we have sold advertising to a school. I want to welcome in George Fox University. They have... Uh, bought an advertising package for the rest of the season. You'll see their advertising. If any other school is interested in doing it, send them my way. Twitter or email is certainly the way to do it. We'll get in touch with them about trying to be a part of it. We've had others who have found interest and will probably be coming on next year. But it's a drop in the bucket in the grand scheme of things, and so this fundraiser is important to us. Uh, you may have noticed over the last couple of weeks our shows had some technical glitches and some challenges. Some people have talked the audio and the video being ahead of or behind, and there's some problems with the podcast. It's all related to the equipment that we need to upgrade, and that upgrade uh, is important, but um, it's not like we're swimming in money. So we were asking you for your help to help us get on the air. You might notice this right here if you're looking at the video. Great thing with the Hoopsville. That's a subtle shot of our T-shirt. If you donate to our cause uh, at certain perk levels, one of those is coming to you. And we've had a few contributors, and I want to at least thank those contributors who have, uh, who have uh, donated to us so far this year. Um, there are some who are, can, we can mention and some we cannot. There's more people on here than we can, we can mention, we believe. But uh, we'll mention a few, uh, I think. Let me, let me just double check um, something real quick. Eh, I can't really tell. Because uh, I know some of these 
likely to remain anonymous. So we're just going to mention the ones we know that that technically aren't. Um, want, so if I missed your name um, and you are on here and you didn't want to be anonymous, don't worry, we will get your name later. But people like Mitch Smith, I uh, want to thank uh, Chris Bartley. Thanks, Sam. Um, James Goal, for example. I want to also thank Karen Harvey, um, Ralph Foote, Travis Schwab, and Ted Stone, to name a few. Derek James, another one we can name as well. There are others, and, and certainly we want to thank them for their support. Um, it, is, it is a major deal to, to do this and to help us, and we certainly appreciate it. And we don't take it lightly, to say the least. Um, and so thank you for your donations to the cause, as it were. Um, all over our pages. It's very easy to find. Please uh, consider doing so if you could, um, and we'd appreciate it. Uh, also, Christopher Hamilton, thank you for your donation. Sean King, thank you for your donation. Kwame in St. Louis, your donation. Alan Babbitt, your donation is certainly uh, very much appreciative. Um, these are people I know that don't mind uh, being mentioned. Uh, Vandy74 is certainly uh, one of those donations. Emart from E-Town, I want to thank you as well for your donations, and we appreciate it. Nonetheless, we are going to start pushing this one pretty darn hard. we got 12 days left, and what we had is the original campaign. The trick to this whole thing is if we extend that deadline, then we extend the time, and then we can get our hands on that money to do anything with it by the end of the year. So that's kind of the challenge a little bit here. Um, so 12 days left to raise a significant amount of money, $9,000. So please consider helping us out. We certainly will. Let's go to the Hoopsville mailbag, shall we? Um, by the way, the mailbag question I had a question last week from somebody saying, "Is can we have too much swag? I took it as, can we have too much swag in this studio? My answer was absolutely not. His statement was because he has donated the Hoopsville fundraiser every year and has gotten a T-shirt every year. And he says, can you get too much swag? He doesn't think so. I agree with you. I don't think you can get too much swag. You can get an extra T-shirt in case yours you've been wearing around so much has been worn out. And you might be surprised to get a little bit of extra swag from us, depending on what we have around. We sometimes have sent our uh, our donators or our don donors, I should say, uh, volunteers or people who have been supporters of the show. We've surprised them with some gifts every once in a while. So please consider helping us out. Now let's go to the Hoopsville Mailbag. First question comes from Phil in New Jersey. He says, if Messiah women's basketball were not to win the automatic qualifier and lose in the tournament, will they still get into the tournament? And he's talking about losing in the conference tournament. Would they get into the NCAA tournament? Um, his second part of the question we will get to. How about that? We, we'll, we'll, we got bits and pieces here. We'll get to each part along the way. So the first part is, what happens should um, Messiah Who's in the conference tournament? Would they get into the NCAA tournament? I think they are. I think they're safe. They got one loss. They're sitting fourth in a very deep mid-Atlantic region. I think the mid-Atlantic region, you're looking down at, at six, maybe seven in the regional rankings before you run into teams that are in trouble of getting uh, into the uh, as it at large. Marymount, thanks also over Mary Washington is looking stronger at number seven. Albright is at number six. I think Moravian at, at eight is in trouble, but certainly capable of possibly getting in. They only have five losses. The Mid-Atlantic's very strong. We're, we, you could even argue maybe they come off the board with somebody behind Moravian. So I think Messiah's okay. Uh, I think if they were to take another loss in season, 
which means this weekend, and then take a loss in the tournament. You know, they're they're not they're not helping themselves. But I don't think they'll be out of the tournament for any way, shape, or form. The second part is how if they win the AQ, how do their chances of hosting first or second round look? I think this is where it looks a little bit more tenuous, Phil. Uh, they are sitting in fourth in the regional rankings. It's not very high. Ahead of them is Scranton, Mary Washington, Catholic. Scranton, chance the men get in, doesn't matter. Women get hosting rights. Mary Washington, men would have to get in as at large, so there's no hosting opportunity, but still the women are, are in charge there. And then Catholic as well. Just due to geographics, Mary Washington Catholic are in position, perfect position host, thanks to teams like the South. Christopher Newport is in not in is is not in a hosting position. They're gonna have to move them somewhere, hopefully not towards Mary Washington or Catholic, but maybe up the coast. But you're gonna have an ODAC, maybe two ODAC teams. You can easily get uh, some other teams to Mary Washington and or Catholic. So I think for the most part, um Messiah is not gonna especially if they lose. Especially if they lose, um, they're not hosting. If they win the AQ, I, I think their chances are 50-50 at best. I, I, I think it's less than that. Remember a couple years ago, Scranton was one. I don't remember who's two. It, it might have been Catholic. And three was Stevenson. Scranton lost as the number one, still hosted. Stevenson did not get in as a host as the three. Uh, so let's keep that in mind. Now, they do have one loss. Um there's a chance they leapfrog into that top two regional rankings. Let's see what happens next week if they move. If they move into the regional rankings next week, I think then, yes, you've got an argument that they're, they're a chance to host. But right now, I don't think Messiah's women's got that strong a chance at hosting. Uh, especially, now, that being said, the Mid-Atlantic may need to pick up a third host. Um, I don't think some of the other regions have strong hosting scenarios, but they're near the Great Lakes, so they ain't going to come from there. There's a chance the Atlantic or the East may not have an extra bid that deserves to host. I'm, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that. Um, I think FDU Florham and, and Montclair are, are in good shape to host even to sales. I don't think they could, but FDU Florham and Montclair are in decent shape to host in the East. It's Genesee or Ithaca. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not leaning in that direction. I think besides chances of hosting are pretty slim. Let's look at the other question. This is a little bit of a complicated one. So let's follow along. This one's from an anonymous uh, viewer. What's the format for regional racks rank deliberations? Um, this person suggests a possible split for an eight-team ranking. Members examine regions' data for each team. Each member suggests 10 best candidates divided into two echelons for consideration, one through five and six through ten. All unique suggestions are arranged into two or three such echelons. Then each echelon considered for ranking one through eight starting from the top. I think you're overthinking it, my uh, friend. Here's how, how here's how it basically works. Um, on Tuesday, the regional advisory committees, the RACs, get all the information. They all sit down. They have a conference call, and they're in front of their computers with the NCAs provided them all the information. Same information we see plus then some. They can log on to sites and, and, and go through it. They absolutely have a conversation about who they think should be ranked and where. However, they're not putting them into echelons. Um, I, I, I think you're overthinking it and making it too complicated because here's the one thing that the committees have always told me that is so, so important and why I think the echelon thing gets dangerous. One through five and six through ten, for example. Um, each team is not just ranked by... The 
So let's take the Mid-Atlantic, which we were just talking about on the, on the women's side. Scranton is not ranked number one versus Mary Washington. Mary Washington's not ranked versus number two versus Catholic at three. Catholic's not three versus four Messiah. There's chances that they are looking at four different teams to make one choice. They may be looking at Scranton, Mary Washington, Catholic, and Messiah and deciding who's number one out of that group. Because Scranton may have better numbers than Mary Washington, but Catholic might have better numbers than Mary Washington, and Messiah might have better numbers than Scranton. And so it, it, it goes in a circle. And, and so they're constantly comparing. And once they make a decision and they move on, they might find another team like, oh, man, but let's back up and let's look at them compared to so-and-so again. So, yes, every committee member is going to discuss who they think the best candidates are based on the criteria that they are given. And they and a lot of committees, I hear that the committee chairs will say, OK, give me who you're who you're going to vote for and why. And the reason is they go off, they go off and vote. And then the committee chair gets it, and they don't understand why the results were made the way they were. This way, they at least have from their voters the reasoning behind it. Remember, the other key here, the conference call, in the old days, that's when they voted. They don't vote like that anymore. They hang up the phone, they get on their computer, or they're on their computer, and they vote then. That vote is then tabulated, and the chair then sees the results. So in theory, conversation can go one direction, but the vote can go in another if either some of the people on the call quiet or some of the people on the call changed their mind or some of the people on the call were just speaking out at their rear end just to say something and change you know weren't going to vote that way anyway and that's kind of why the regional chairs usually sometimes say i want to know how you vote so that when i go to the committee national committee i can say well here's the reasoning this came out here's what my my rack is saying um it's a Members suggest 10 best candidates. Divide them into two echelons for consideration. All unique suggestions are arranged into two or three such echelons. Then each echelon considered for ranking one through eight, starting from the top. Way too complicated because the criteria is complicated enough. You're taking the criteria. Who's got the best OS? Who's got the best win-losses? Who's got you know, interesting numbers on results versus regionally ranked opponents. Okay, how do they look against each other? How did Mary Washington look against Catholic? How did Mary Catholic look against Scranton? How did Scranton look against Messiah? How does Messiah look against so et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all of that data. Um, and they eventually come up with a decision. And then when they come up with that, and it might be that they come up with a, a let's say, eight, and then they go back and go, okay, Let's look at it more specifically. Is Scranton really a better choice than Mary Washington? Is Mary Washington really better than Catholic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? So splitting it off and doing all that, I think, is ignoring a lot of the SOS data. And if you go and break it down by each criterion, if each echelon is a criterion number, if there's an SOS echelon and there's a win-loss echelon, that's all well and good. But results versus regionally ranked opponents, for example, is not a hard number. That isn't a, hey, they're four and three, they play have a winning percentage there who did they play that they won those four games were they all let's say um five through eight on a regional ranking somewhere and the three losses were one through four were were they maybe one and two versus the top two regionally ranked teams in the in those in those regions but they're you know whatever and ever against the bottom five what were the were they on the road? Was it an overtime game? I mean, literally, results versus regionally ranked opponents is not a hard number. That's not a win loss number. That's not a total number. That's not a total win. That's not a total loss. That's literally results. 
You're never going to be able to make an echelon out of that. So I, I think all due respect, you're way overthinking that. Um, the committees talk about the best teams based on the criteria. They've got the information like we do, like that spreadsheet. Um, they've got more information from the CA that they can dive into. And I think they dive into that. And again, they don't look at just, okay, let's vote on who number one is. All right, that's who's number one. All right, who do we think's number two? They literally will look at three or four different teams trying to see all the the the, the comparisons amongst everybody to, to shuffle out, as it were. It's almost like taking a deck of cards and shuffling it together in the order you want versus taking a card, putting it down, taking another card, putting it down. Um, it's far more complicated. And I think the echelon thing, I mean, I see where you're going with it. I just think you're overthinking it just a, just a little bit. Um and maybe somebody on the committee is going to come back and go, well, actually, that's exactly how we do it. But that's not how I've interpreted it um, over the years uh, at all. Uh, looking around at women's games tonight, or scores, I should say, from around the country, nothing huge jumps out of me. There was one division, th uh, one ranked team in women's basketball in action tonight, and Trinity, Texas defeated Triner 82-72. Um, otherwise, uh, random game, Randolph making beat Gallaudet 82-44. This is women's. Excuse me, women's basketball. Um, Concordia, Texas beat Harden-Simmons. This is in women's. Again, nothing major there. Um, Texas-Dallas beat Letourneau. But nothing here that's blowing us away um, or anything that's like of, of note, as it were. On the men's side of things, Claremont Mud Scripps will play later tonight against Cal Lou. We'll keep an eye on that one. They obviously need to get back into winning a little bit more. Uh, I thought I had hit refresh, so I'm double-checking that we haven't had some scores come in. Harden-Simmons, Concordia, Texas. That is the big game. We talked about this on Wednesday's show. Wednesday's special about regional rankings. Concordia, Texas is uh, one, is in number two, and Harden-Simmons is number three. And it's tough. It's close. And I said, basically, whoever won this one was going was gonna to dictate that ranking. Well, Harden-Simmons right now up 40-26 to 26 at their place. Uh, Harden-Simmons wins that. I think they've become a very strong number. With Guilford losing, they could move into number one, which will mean which have a lot of ramifications when it comes to, to selections and bracketing. Concordia is still going to stay in the conversation. If Concordia were to come back and win, I think it gets a little bit more interesting. I don't know if they become as strong a number one. I didn't find them as strong over Harden-Simmons as Harden-Simmons would have been over them. It's just my argument. I could be dead wrong, but it's kind of how I see that one. Uh, there are some other Texas games, but they haven't gotten underway or they're just getting underway. Or we just don't have a score yet from them. Um, and otherwise, nothing else really jumping out at us. Looking around just to see if there's anything else that's going on. Um, Texas, Dallas, um, number 25 team in the country on the WBCA rankings, defeated Letourneau 8165. Um, Otherwise, uh, Castleton beat. Yeah, there's nothing. You know, there's not any huge games going on. I think with that, we're going to probably wrap this up. I'm looking around to make sure you guys have not sent us any questions that we have just flat out missed. And so we're double, I'm double checking that now as we speak. Um, I think we're pretty good. So reminder, we'll be on the air Sunday at uh, seven o'clock uh, with the with the next set uh, of Hoopsville, and we hope you'll tune in. Um, We'll also uh, be on the air next Thursday at 7 o'clock, and then it's our Selection Sunday special in a week and a half, and then a little over a week and a half, we'll have our Matchup Monday special. I have been asked again, so it looks like I'll be once again on the call for the NCAA with their bracket uh, announcement. I'll be the analyst for them coming right here.
from the WBCA and ABC studios. Looking forward to doing that again. We hope um, you'll enjoy that as well, and we'll be on the air after that with a bracket special. So busy couple of weeks coming up ahead. This is why we enjoy this time of year. We hope you'll enjoy it as well. And with that, I think we're going to wrap this one up. I want to thank our guests who have appeared on tonight's show. Uh, of course, that means Michael Meek from number four, 24 George Fox women's basketball, Catherine Bixby from Dixon, Dickinson's women's basketball team, Greg Mitchell, number 16, Hope Men's Basketball, and Rob Corniker from St. John Fisher, who joined us. I want to thank you for your questions and those of you who chimed in and interacted with us. Certainly appreciate that as well. I want to thank the sports directors, especially those at Dickinson, Hope, and St. John Fisher for helping us out. And George Fox, certainly appreciate their assistance as well. Um, again, back on the air Sunday, and we hope you'll enjoy it and join us as well. If you've got questions for us, especially for our mailbag segment, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also tweet us at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. We'll try our best to answer your questions as things continue to move along and get more and more interesting. Um, Oh, I should mention, we actually have conference playoff games in the CUNYAC. I totally forgot about that. I apologize. John Jay and CCNY on the women's side won their games and move on. Um, so looking forward to seeing how that plays out. That's going to do it. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you back here on Sunday night. Look forward to having you interact with us. And please, don't forget about the Hoopsville fundraising page. Please, please, please help us out. Stay on the air. Etc. Etc. We appreciate it. You've been listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com. And of course, thank you to the WBCA, Women's Basketball Coaches Association, and the NABC, National Association of Basketball Coaches. Also, thanks to the City of Salem, host of this um, the Division Three Men's Basketball Championships for the 21st consecutive year. They'll hand out their 20th championship in that sport coming up in March, and we will be there courtside as well. And also, thanks to George Fox for coming on board to being one of our advertisers as well. We appreciate them. Hope you enjoyed this broadcast on YouTube and our simulcast on Facebook. We'll see you back here on Sunday night. Good night, everybody.